welcome to Drunk Valorant, episode number 106. Mm. Uh, we're back. I'm back, all baby. Three of us. Yeah. You missed me. Don't yeah, lie. Chase actually, I was playing Sage, so I was able to revive Chase IRL, so he's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cost a lot of fucking old points, but yeah. I'm here. We're ready mm. to roll. Yeah. Talk about Valorant that I haven't played in like three weeks. Yeah, pretty much. Played yeah, some, been, uh, played I some mean, this week. Yeah, you've gotten you've gotten some games and stuff in. Yeah, yeah, no, we put we played a few games this week. So yeah, honestly, I'm I'm back. Okay, like you never so, left. Um, do 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 do. Let me get the. Sorry, I can't see your faces for some reason. How do I? Okay, there we are. Perfect. So, um, I'm just gonna start with what I'm drinking today, because uh, I'm only gonna have one of them, and then and then it's gonna get a little ugly from there. Uh, basically, I found it's very difficult to cover up the taste of tequila. So, I kind of threw the whole kitchen sink at it. Um, it's mostly tequila, but then I've got some, uh, what's that raspberry liqueur in the Bulby bottle? Um, Chambord? Yeah, that's the one. So I got tequila, like an Añejo tequila in here, Chambord, Curacao, Three different kinds of uh, syrups, um, some lemon juice, some lime bitters, and soda water. The fact that you would do that atrocity to a, a drink that took around nine to ten years to produce <laughs> is—it I mean, just boggles say, my that's mind. A, there's a lot going on in that cocktail, but I can barely taste the tequila now. Like that tequila, I think it has to have, yeah, it has, it was a minimum of eight oh years. It, that took from eight to ten years to produce that tequila. Mm-hmm. Um, not fully aging. Aging is one to three years, but the plant itself for all tequila takes seven years. Um, but that is, that's just an atrocity. Yeah. The, <laughs> I can't believe you'd do this. It's not bad. I gotta say, I think I did a pretty good job. Yeah, of, of tasting like dog shit. Of not tasting tequila. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty good. Like, the Chambord and the Grenadine are working well in combination. Um, yeah. It's not bad. But I really don't like the taste of Grenadine unless it's very subtle. So, yeah, I, I think I'd be out on this one as well. Really? You weren't a Shirley Templer as a kid? Um, I, th- I feel like I only had, like one i can remember getting one when i was like four years old at a well probably five years old at a wedding of a family friend and that's like the only time i ever had one no bacardi cocktails no Mm. those are quite good i don't know what's a bacardi cocktail cocktail? yeah i mean other than a cocktail made with bacardi yeah it's got like bacardi white in it grenadine splash of soda water i'm pretty sure Maybe a hint of something citrus in there too. I can't remember. I was I was drinking at some super cheap hostel out in Prague, and just kept getting those. It became a one of the most popular drinks in America immediately following the repeal of prohibition. Hmm. It is a variation of the daiquiri that involves rum, lime, and grenadine in place of sugar. And though a rare sight on menus today, it was a stalwart of the 1930s bar repertoire. Interesting. Yeah, 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 I've never had that. It sounds good though. Sound, sounds like a adult Shirley Temple. Yeah, super mm. easy to make, tasty. But yeah, so I did that with like 
a lot of extra steps, and I replaced the rum for tequila, unfortunately, because I don't have any decent rum around the house. Which is honestly a shame. Like, I have three very nice bottles of tequila, and I don't drink tequila. Yeah. Oh, I... don't know why I'll have the three bottles, but... Yeah, I'll put this out as a little teaser. Uh, I don't have I don't have it today. I, I'm missing one of the ingredients. But I actually made my own cocktail that I believe is at least not commonly done anywhere that I'm quite happy with a couple weeks it's ago. It's an NBD. So. NBD? Yeah, never been done. The Hunter yeah, Special. Maybe, maybe, yeah. So I'll, I'll be sharing that at some point. Never right, been well. drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter, what are you drinking? Yeah, so this one was so good, and the our podcast schedule is so weird that I almost finished it off before having it, saving it for the pod. This is the Three Floyds Arctic Panzerwolf. Very cool can and different than a lot of you know cans that you see. Yeah, it's, very cool design. Yeah, and this one uh, blew me away. This is a very strong and hoppy beer, clocking in at nine percent. And the reason why I was really doubtful of it is that Three Floyds makes, they're one of the bigger distributors. I want to say they're based out of bigger craft distributors. I want to say they're based out of Virginia, question mark. I'll, I'll find that out at some point. But anyway, um, they make the zombie dust beer, which is ubiquitous across you know this area and probably other places in the East Coast, which I don't think is very good. I was very underwhelmed by it when I tried it. So I, I don't have I didn't have a good impression of the brewery, but then when I saw this can, I was like, that is just so cool. And it's just like a delicious, like punch in the mouth hazy beer. It is a medium bodied Imperial in IPA brewed with Canadian two row malt, dextro sugar, and lots of American hops. Arctic Panzer Wolf has superior aromas of marmalade, white peach, pine, and apricot mixed with intense American hop bitterness. And I guess that is a part of why I like it because I do like, you know, the the bitterness, especially from pine, along with like a fruit flavor. Like I, I think that does that very much is a is a me kind of IPA. Yeah, I mean, sounds like very heavy handed, mm -hmm. uh, which I might like. It would just depend on what kind of hops are in there. But yeah, it's the Canadian two roll malt, whatever that is. Well, the malt is the the malt. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, never mind. Sorry, I, I got confused. It's the American hops. Lots of American Plenty of hops. American hops, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, we only we only go to Canada for their fucking malt. Yeah, their they, were, they were afraid people would be like, <laughs> oh, I can't have this. There's nothing American in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really didn't want to become the next Bud Light. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Chase, what do you got? Uh, I'm currently drinking a Huckleberry San Juan Seltzer, um, just like a, you know, White Claw knockoff, but this one is a Pacific Northwest Spike Seltzer. Um, I've had some San Juans before. I got this one as a, I got a single can of this as a gift um, for Christmas. It was in a, a, like a hydro flask koozie, which is actually pretty cool. Like that was the real gift. And then this is just what was in that gift. But, um, so I had this kicking around in the fridge, uh, and it's kind of fucking terrible. Mm. For some um, reason, I assumed the can you got in there was non-alcoholic, but no, no, they smuggled yeah. that across the border without knowing. Mm. I yeah. mean, well, they knowingly smuggled other bottles of alcohol across the border. Yeah. Yeah. They do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they used mistake. to like pack bottles of wine in Louise's bag when she was going back to Canada and then not tell her that they had put, 
bottles of wine in her bag. <laughs> oh, man. And so then Louise would get home and be like, oh, I just smuggled four bottles of wine into Canada. I'm glad uh, glad they didn't look through this. Well, on the plus <laughs> side, if they did look through it and find them, she could have the most, uh, you know, believable. What the heck? I, I, I don't know how these got here. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not a lie. <laughs> yeah, but, but they're going to be like, yeah, sure. You don't know what's in your own suitcase? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But they could, you know, yeah, they could give her a like polygraph after things. that, and she wouldn't uh, <laughs> pop positive on it. Yeah, true, true. Not admissible in court, though. So, yeah, not. I don't think they would do that. But you know, if they did, they'd just ready. charge her the taxes on it. Yeah, yeah I that problem. That's probably what they do. They just yeah. charge her the taxes. I had that problem coming back from uh, the states after Christmas because I drove through Washington to get back to Vancouver, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, 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 no like. All this stuff was acquired in Canada. It's like, I'm not paying taxes on this shit again. <laughs> but like, because, yeah, the border agent was like, dude, come on. Like, I see that you're coming back with, like, a large bag. It's after Christmas time. Like, you're telling me there's nothing in there. And I was like, well, there's nothing in there that I acquired in the States. Yeah, because it was all acquired in Canada. Yeah. And then you then brought it into the States very briefly and then yeah. brought it back into Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Did he believe you or, or no? Uh, he gave me the benefit of the doubt on it. Nice. So I was like, dude, like, you can check the fucking... Like, you probably have it up on your system when I last exited Canada, which was, like, earlier that day. Yeah. yeah. I was like, dude, come on. Like, I literally just went through Washington to get back here. That's the way my ride was going. Like, yeah. So, the guy the guy let me get away with it, but... Nice. Because, yeah, I, if you're spending less than, I think it's a week in the States or something, like, you're allowed, like, no alcohol exemption? I believe it's 24 hours. Oh, is that all it is? Yeah, it's you have to be there oh, for okay. at least 24 hours, and then you get, like, the minimum exemption, and it goes up. The longer you're... The longer alive. you're in... Yeah, the longer mm-hmm. that you're in the States, up to, like, you know, a week, I think, like, six or seven that days. That is so is, complicated. To the maximum. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, it's, it's, slider it's to prevent people from... Doing what a lot of people do is just drive down to the states to buy cheaper booze and then bring it directly back up tax free. Right, right. But like, mm-hmm. the exemption is like you can bring it up; they're just going to charge you the taxes on it. Mm-hmm. So then it just kind of makes it not worth it to yeah. do. You might as well just buy it in Canada. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, like, like yeah, like I can kind of see it for things that like you can't get easily in Canada. Yeah, um, like. You know, if I wanted some Seattle beers, right? Yeah, you could do it, and then you could totally declare that, and then, you know, usually if you drive down the, like, uh, the border agents have told me, they'll let you back in with, like, a six-pack. But I brought, like, a, I brought, like, a 12-pack back once, and the guy was like, oh, that's pushing it. Like, I'm gonna let you slide this time. Mm Because I was like, oh, yeah, I've got, like, 12 beers. Like, that's it. And he, he was like, oh, like, you know you get nothing, right? I'm like, yeah, I mean... But what is it? He's like, I'll let you slide. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Probably I feel like that'd be an easy thing. Machine and charge me or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, so how does it work? Like when you when you roll up by by car to the border, like mm-hmm. if you had a hidden compartment in your car or somewhat hidden, they're not gonna like like dig through your car to find stuff, right? Unless there's some I mean, reason depends. for them to. They can. If you have a hidden compartment and they suspect you might have a hidden compartment where you're smuggling things, then fuck yeah, they're going to dig through your car. Well, yeah, I know, um, but like if you no, take out so your like spare you tire and you put some beers in like, there, like they're not, they're probably not going to look into that unless you have some reason to be suspicious, right? Yeah, most of the time you you can just say, no, I have nothing, and they're just going to yeah. let you through. But 
Yeah. Uh, it is possible they still search. Like, last time that uh, Louise and I went into the States, we were going through, like, a smaller border crossing, and mm-hmm. we think the guy just had doesn't have a lot to do, and so he's very uh, thorough, you could say. Yeah, he's got too much time so on his hands. He's got too much time on his hands, and he likes... Louise, like, we were pulling up, and Louise was like, you know, I think uh, I've had this guy before. It's This is going to take a minute. And he mm. goes in and, like, unzips all of our bags, goes through our backpacks, asks us questions, like, you know, open the trunk, like, shifts around, like, just... He's, he's totally allowed to do that stuff. It's just yeah. most border agents don't. Yeah. Right, right. So, I don't know, like, the, the first time I drove across the border back into Canada... Like, the border agent was just like, anybody bringing back any, like, alcohol or tobacco or whatever? And I was like, I think I got a beer or two left in my backpack that we didn't finish the last night. Uh, and then he's just like, go, you're good. Like, yeah, like didn't, didn't ask me to, like, show it to him or verify that I only had, like, one or two beers. Like, we had so much ski shit in the trunk. Like, I, I, I could have had, like, 150 beers back there. You know, and you did actually, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but when, when we, when I, I after, because like it was my first time driving across the border, so I didn't know like how chill or not chill it was going to be. Mm. Right? And I was like, oh fuck, like I definitely would have brought back like two six packs or whatever had I known that it was just going to be a like, oh yeah, dude, go, we don't care. <laughs> These got to go to the bigger crossings, so they can't be bothered mm-hmm. to check. Instead, of yeah, exactly. Ones. The bigger cross crossings is where you get away with that stuff, uh, yeah. allegedly, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Now, allegedly, you can also uh, fill an entire um, rooftop cargo box with <laughs> cases of beer that you just purchased to go down to the states and uh, and do a beer run, and then just drive back through and say there's a pair of skis up top. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, yeah, I'm not sure if that actually works. I wouldn't recommend trying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe. But um, yeah, okay, moving on. Some Valorant stuff. All right. Uh, first thing on the docket, mostly because Chase hasn't been here for the last two weeks. We need you to give your spiel on the uh, the outlaw. So grab oh, your yeah. little soapbox, stand on top mm-hmm. of it. And we'll settle in, grab some here. popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> I think that's my general consensus on Ooh, the outlaw. Get better material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, not a big deal. Uh, I don't know. Like I I think it's a good gun, clearly. Um, but the cost point like seems to justify the how good the gun is. It doesn't seem broken, um, like some of us were originally um concerned about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I said it last <laughs> podcast. I admit that I overhyped it a bit. Uh it like it seems like it's at a good price point. Um it's annoying sometimes, but like I don't think that it has destroyed Light Shield's meta at all. Um, this might be different in pro or like, but in the games that I've played, like I still buy shields all the time. Um, shields, you mean? Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, I thought you just said shields. Uh, yeah, I, I buy half shields all the time. Um, and, you know, if I suspect that there is an outlaw on the other side, then maybe I won't. Maybe I'll do that. So I, I guess in a, in a way, that's destroying the, the Light Shields meta. But that it, in order to destroy the meta, it would have to be a common occurrence, which it's not. Like, on a full yeah. buy round, people aren't going to have the outlaw. And if they do, then, you know, it could have been an op 
probably too. And mm-hmm. the the op would have killed me in the body too. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I've been punished a few times for it, like a handful, less than five. Uh, yeah, with the white shields, but like, and out I of those, yeah, like out of those less than five that I'm thinking of, like I'm not sure if any of them were head taps or not. So like again, it might not have made a difference either way. Yeah, I'm. I have not yet been killed by an outlaw on a round where I decided to buy light shields when I could have bought full shields. I see. Yes, I see. but you could have, like, uh, but in the scenarios in which I, because I always buy full shields for it. It's the scenarios in which it's no I shields or light shields. Go, yeah, no, it's I elected to go light shields, vandal, or phantom, instead of like full shields bulldog. Jason's also pretty willing to go full shields. Bulldog yeah, no, in I'll general. go full yeah. shields bulldog. Right, it's like, like I'm, it, ta- I'm, I'm talking. I'll, I'll get killed when I'm like specter light. So I'm like, mm, yeah. could I have gone stinger yeah. full? Maybe, but that's a whole different like way yeah. of playing the round, right? I probably wasn't mm. going to do that. Yeah, a little bit of a sidebar, but I I kind of feel like Spectre, the Spectre more so than most other weapons, uh, it, it is more important to have heavy shields with the Spectre than with most other guns for the simple reason that the Spectre has one of the longer time to kills in the game at its like ideal range. So you're more likely to be taking, you know, dam- a lot of damage to where the shields, the shield level matters. I mean, it depends on the round because the enemy's guns are standard. So there should be no difference between a standard light shield meta and a round where I'm buying a Spectre. If that makes sense. Well, the idea is with a Spectre to optimize, you know, usage of the Spectre. You're moving around, often running and gunning if you're close enough. And, you know, that is helping the gun overperform, say, a Phantom or Vandal and reducing the amount of times you're one-tapped, but because of that, there's also a decent chance that you and the person with the Phantom, neither of you will be landing headshots right away and you will be both spraying for a bit at which point, you know, you run the risk of dying one shot sooner, having the light shields versus not. Um, and that's, that's I think that more, that's fair, yeah. Like yeah, you're yeah. saying, you, you don't you expect to be one tapped less because you're moving around a lot more with the mm-hmm. specter than a, right. a different. Right. Gun. Whereas, like, I, I think Chase's point was yeah. with light shields in general, it doesn't affect how many body shots it takes with the vandal. Right. Yeah. yeah that's why I'm saying, saying like maybe you get more like leg shots, maybe or some. Yeah, I don't, but, like, but like I if you compare to other guns, there's, a, there's increased variability possibly sure, moving sure, around sure. a lot more. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I can see that, and I'm not disagreeing with what Hunter's saying. Like, I would not go. Spectre Light Shields. Yeah, that's why that's I brought it up, because really... Chase said Spectre yeah. Light, and I was like, ooh, I, I, I almost yeah, no. never go Spectre that's, Light. That's not really well, a buy. 80% yeah. of the time I buy Spectre at Spectre Light, because it's ooh. on a save round. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like it's. I feel like Stinger well, Light makes a lot more Spectre's sense, because your, your time to kill is so much lower with the Stinger, that, like, I think it's less of a problem. Yeah, like, I, I see buy... that I'm going to have 6k next round, you know, before I buy, then I can Spectre Light. That's just what I... Right? You could Marshal Full... Yeah, but I'm not marshalling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just like, I'm just never in this scenario which like I'm buying. Like the the times in which I buy a Spectre is number one, very rare given the number of, or like typically I would prefer if I'm trying to save money going marshal slash sheriff, or if I have more money to spend, I might even just go like glass outlaw. Um, depending on exactly what the price points are. But the time in which I'm buying Spectres is 
when I'm forcing up around the rest of my team. Yeah. Like the rest of my team can buy. And therefore, if the rest of my team can buy and I've got to force into the round, if I don't have the money to go Phantom Vandal Light Shields, I'm probably going full shields and then whatever the most reasonable gun I can afford is. With and it. then hope that you can pick up a gun. I hope that I can pick it, up yeah. a gun. Yeah. And like I want the I want the full shields to either survive a gunfight or just take general chip damage on my way as I'm either recovering the rifle or getting into an engagement. I I, I feel like I mean the whole thing is like it doesn't really matter though, right? That's the whole light shields argument. Yeah, but I disagree with that. Well, I, really I think in general, it is something that you can, you know, ignore a lot of the time. But I think specifically with the Spectre, you're looking to prolong engagements anyway uh, due to maximizing the gun's strengths that way. And therefore, it's more likely to matter is my whole point. Because I yeah, still I think I guess we just buy Spectres is, in very different yeah. scenarios because I think I'm like, as Cass is saying, he's buying Spectres a lot to force in with the team. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I'm buying Spectres a lot as a half buy. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I also am very unlikely to buy a Spectre on a half buy. I'd, I would go for the Stinger in that scenario. Yeah, I'm, I'm like on on a half buy. I'm kind of gonna high roll it. Like I'm going for something that can either one tap or get in your face, pretty much instantly get the kill and then recover your weapon. Which is Stinger like, is going right. For, yeah, like I'm not going for the more. I guess like. Slow and methodical might not be the right way to put it, but like in comparison to the other guns, yeah, Cass like often likes bu- likes buying a Bucky in that scenario as well. He often does that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's I mean, funny because that gun fits what you were saying. Sp- yeah, yeah, it does. It yeah. does fit what I'm saying, but like, yeah. Okay, I I can see scenarios in which your Either on entry or on the defense of a site that the attacking team is flooding into, right? Mm-hmm. Where you don't have a lot of time or ally utility uh, to play around. I can see the most other guns in that scenario maybe getting two. I feel like the, the Bucky is, I'm hoping for my one. And I might not even get that, because it's not... I feel like the Bucky left click isn't as reliable as you might like it to be. Which I'm totally fine with the current state that it's in. I'm not saying that they should buff it. I'm just saying that, like, in times in which I end up with a Bucky, it's almost Mm -hmm. always when Hunter purchases a Bucky, dies, I have a Sheriff, or a Marshal, most likely a Sheriff, and then I recover said Bucky... Uh, from Hunter's Corpse, and then there's a lot of times where I feel like I'm not getting that left-click kill, and, like, there's no way you've got time to, or, like, to pump the gun and fire another. Yeah, well, to be fair, so when you're picking up the shots. guns from my body, that means you often, then, are not able to choose an ideal Bucky camping position. Whereas, theoretically, I chose a Bucky camping position and got a couple kills... Or, you know, I was approached in such a way that I was at a disadvantage. Or I, I whiffed. That does happen as well. But <laughs> we're going to say the other two are more common. Um, whereas when you pick up the Bucky, you know, you now 
can whip it out if you feel like you're going into a duel that favors it, but it's still not going to be as optimal as if you're picking a spot for enemies to push into you with it. Sure, sure. I know. I I feel like the thing though with like the other guns that we listed that aren't the Spectre is like I'm looking for the other team to fuck up. Yeah. Right. Um. And I'm trying to punish them for fucking up or getting caught out of position or whatever, right? It's like, if I can't buy full and you've got a Vandal, maybe you shouldn't be peeking me mid knowing that I have a Marshal or could have a Marshal because we're saving, right? I, like, I'm looking for that, that duel in which it's arguable whether or not I'm even really at a disadvantage given, like, the range, Right? because I have the aided benefit of the scope, and I can still one-tap you. Similar thing to a sheriff, right? Like, the sheriff is, yes, not favored in a duel against a, um, uh, like, a vandal at, like, medium to longer ranges, but I'm hoping that you're going to give me this relatively fair duel, and I can get that one-tap, because that's how we can potentially snowball this round. I feel like the Spectre, or like, or the Stinger, you're hoping that somebody either aggressively pushes into you when they shouldn't have, or you have a play to isolate somebody on site as you're pushing in, or they're pushing in, right, to get one kill, and then either fall back or grab their gun or whatever. I feel like the Spectre doesn't, on save rounds, I feel like the Spectre doesn't really give you that potential in any way. It's like, there's no... It doesn't punish as hard. Yeah. yeah, like, there's no scenario in which you can, like, very readily punish someone. No, but outside it's, of them I mean, this is just general Spectre talk that we've gotten into in the past as well. But it all, like, the Spectre allows you to take a wider range of those gunfights and have a shot Yeah. instead, right? So it, instead of being favored in a narrower range of scenarios, you have a wider possible range of scenarios where you are less unfavored. Which is why I feel like it's strong in rounds in which you're forcing up around, or which you're forcing in with your team, but not very strong in rounds in which your team is safe. Yeah, I guess it, it, in those scenarios, I am more likely to go like Bulldog Light than Spectreful. Yeah, I, I think that is great because you're, yeah. you're very good with the Bulldog, and Bulldog has much more upwards potential that way. But yeah, yeah, that does a lot of sidebar from your main point that you don't feel like the outlaw is, is having a, is causing a seismic shift in the meta. No, I don't think so. I think which I think is a really good thing, right? Like yeah. I, I kind of like what it's like where it is in the game right now, um, and it seems to have you know filled a cool gap. I like seeing new guns and new things. Um, uh, where where I have noticed it a lot is I notice myself checking um, money round two. Every time yeah. when, when, uh, when you win round one, like when you win pistol, um, I always check money round two to see if one of them, uh, like one of the p- people on the other team could buy outlaw. Interesting. That'd uh, be a pretty big commitment from them. That would be a very big commitment. Uh, it happens though. They're like, <laughs> I, I've seen it. I've seen it quite a few times because it's unexpected and, uh, they expect you to more likely have, um, light shields in your uh, in your round two, right? I feel like you'd more likely have full shields. Be more common to have full shields. I, I feel like full shields SMG is a more common buy than light shields rifle in round two. If light shields rifle is also not always like you need to get 
No, but L- L- Rifle is in uh, Guardian or or Bulldog as well. Sure, but like you still need a few kills to or a bomb plant to get that done. Like if we're on defense, I don't know if you do to go Bulldog light on round two. Okay, I never buy the Bulldog, so that one I don't know about. Thinking Guardian light, I'm not sure. If you're on defense, you don't get a single kill in pistol round. I'm not 100% confident you can go... You can probably go Guardian Light. Probably. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm saying that it, that influences my decision on whether or not I'm going, like, SMG full or rifle light sometimes. Mm. Like, if it's the possibility that somebody might have an outlaw on the other team. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's a possibility that you didn't really have to think about before. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when it comes to how often the outlaw is picked, um, Jace, you weren't around for when the outlaw patch hit, when, you know, DMs would be 85% people using outlaws, and then comp games as well, it was being bought a ton more than it made any sense uh, to be. Um, right. But then there's been a, a fall-off in outlaw usage uh, since then in comp, and what I noticed as well is that in our two premier games this week, admittedly, it's early uh, in the Outlaws life cycle, and also it's a sample size of two. But there was minimal Outlaw usage in those premier games. It certainly wasn't a factor in either of them. So well, it that's definitely. Because there was no jet or chamber, I feel like. Right. Oh, sure, sure. But like the, the point is that it seems like when push comes to shove, the way the meta is settling for now, maybe people will get really good with the gun and, you know, sort of unlock more of its potential. But like mm-hmm. as of now, it seems like. Unless you are Jet or Chamber, like you're saying, and and you also like the gun, there are other options for Jet or Chamber. It's really mm-hmm. not... People aren't feeling like, oh, this is something that's good for me to buy because it gives me a huge advantage. Or I, yeah, there, there might not have been a Jet or Chamber, but there is also, like, we were on split, so there's the mid angle, which is very good for a sniper. Yeah. Mm, yeah, but that gets right. smoked off very consistently. It's still good uh, to have a sure, sniper Sure, but people still there. hold it. Yeah. You can have your, your your person flash out of it. You can get a timing out of the smoke. I mean, that, that happens yeah. all the time. I don't know. I, 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 we I don't do that like very split, often, but other teams like, do. Split in general is just not the best operator or, like, the best sniper map out there. Yeah, I mean, I know that you specifically hate holding mid with a sniper, like, with an op on split. Yeah. But yeah. there's a reason that it's a common op angle. Yeah, I, I like holding And that you have to flash before peeking that, like, it on attack yeah. side. Or you can do it from the other smoke, side. Like, they're not going to smoke like you off both like places. You can move it around. Yeah. You can play Yoru and yeah. start top mid and have a TP across to VM. And... Right. I mean, yeah, it's not like I don't see the... Like, it's not that, like I, I don't see that being like a strong position or anything. I just feel like you're... You're oftentimes going to end up spending too much time stuck behind a smoke or staring at a sage wall or a viper wall or something and not getting or just like your team also smoking off mid. I like I don't know. I I feel like it's just not a great place for an operator and I feel like the pro meta has evolved to show that. Like it's not super common that you see somebody there and like invents with an operator. Like I think it's almost more common to be holding deep B heaven with an operator. Like kind of well, in the pro meta, sure, but in comp games, it's very common to have an operator. And yeah, uh, yeah and I feel like that's a really events. bad spot to have an operator. It, but I'm saying it doesn't matter. Like it's it's if it's common, it doesn't matter if it's good. I'm, I, we're just arguing that it's common. 
Yeah, I wasn't saying that you should buy an operator and play there. And yeah, or, or an yeah. outlaw. We were the, just saying the, that there's a good chance you'll is... run into that, and we didn't run into someone outlawing from there. That that, yeah. that was the whole point well, of the, the topic. Yeah. I don't, and, like, yeah, like I'm saying, like, I feel like, and I said this on the previous podcast when Chase wasn't here, but that second shot often forces you to overstay your welcome. Like, there's a number of times when I'm on either jet or chamber that I do not have the luxury of taking that second shot. Oh, like, for sure. I can take uh, one shot, and I need to be out of here. Um, and so it's like, the 140 damage is still really fucking good. But, I don't know, especially at an angle, like, mid on split, if your vents, even if they don't smoke that off, I don't know. It, it, it's unlikely one person swings mid, I feel like. Unless they're on a late lurk. In which case, the op is not something you, like, is not a person or a gun. Or, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like either outlaw, marshal, or operator, just like any of the snipers, is not the gun you want covering for that, like, late lurk. You'd want that gun in the action. And so, like, as soon as you get contact, either A or B, you're probably moving to address that, unless you have good reason to believe somebody's in mid. Yeah, I, yeah, I, but then they could they could easily sneak up on you from the other angle, like if you're the only one holding. So it's definitely not what you want as like a lurk hold yeah. in mid. Well, I think I think there's some situations when it might be, uh, and I think there's one thing that you're sleeping on, Cass, and this comes down to what we've discussed both on and off the podcast, which is sort of outlaw decision making in terms of whether you're using it like a marshal and aiming for heads or aiming for the body. Obviously it has its biggest advantages when aiming for the body. But I think one thing that I think we might see more of as people get better with the gun is if in a, in a, in a round against a full buy that you happen to have it for whatever reason, you're, you could, were too poor to buy a rifle. You brought it in from the previous round, uh, just aiming at heads because then it can do something better than the, the marshal or op, which is that you can get two kills faster with that gun than with any other gun in the game. So, uh, well, not, sorry, <laughs> the marshal or the outlaw, I said, uh, the fuck, the marshal or the op. So, like, you can, you know, be posted up as chamber with your TP ready to go out, take the first shot, and if it's a headshot and, you know, there's someone else you can now go for the headshot on, you can do that. Or maybe you missed the first shot or hit a body and now you need to leave because that person is still alive. But unless they have perfect spacing, the, the double headshot with the outlaw, I think, is a high-skill thing that we haven't seen a lot yet, but will happen more as people get better with it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, I'm not... I'm I'm not sold, and just because, like... Like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe, like, the gun just hasn't been out long enough for people to, mm -hmm. like, fully adapt to how the playstyle works. But, like, just from my experience using both the op and the marshal before the outlaw entered the game, it's like, I think you're being really fucking greedy staying around after the first shot if you know, regardless of whether you get kill or not, if you know that there's somebody else that, that is in that area. Because they can much more readily like pre-aim your angle and pre-fire it. Yeah, like, yeah, I feel like I that's, a, that's fundamentally angle. true, but the, 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 yeah. the reason why it can be worth it sometimes is because you have that one shot and then escape potential. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, like, I could see yeah. people, like, like people did that with, like, Chamber uh, Headhunter back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. 
your ADS down, holding an angle. If somebody, the other team doesn't have good spacing as they're swinging in, you pop one head, next and guy swings, the next, yeah. that too. Yeah, like, it is possible, but I feel like the, in general, I feel like it's a very greedy play to go for that second shot unless you've isolated a player. Which, mm-hmm. if you're playing Jet and Chamber, you have a much better chance of doing that by standing in an off angle. Um, yeah. Knowing that, hey, it's unlikely that they have really good spacing clearing or clearing where I am because I'm standing in an off angle. Mm-hmm. Like, it's way more realistic that, like, that they're going to have good spacing if I was standing in a, like, a standard position. But, like, given that I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere, like, it's kind of unlikely that they have the thought that they would need good spacing while pushing through this area. Well, in that same circumstance, you could also use the outlaw um, if you're in an unexpected off angle and two people are pushing into you not expecting that you're there, where you actually have a second... Like, you have the time to get a second shot off before they, like, react and flick to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, in round two, when you can be very confident that they don't have full shields, maybe that's viable. But, like, and again, this might just come with time and having played the weapon more. But I feel like if you have the time to fire off two shots and you're not being greedy and overstaying your welcome, you often end up firing both. Like, there's a lot of times I've gotten the headshot on the first kill. And, like, I was just instinctively getting ready to pull the trigger again. Or they had light shields. I wasn't expecting them to have light shields. I hit them in the body. I think that I need to land the second shot. And I've kind of already mentally made the decision to pull the trigger again. Uh, and again, yeah. maybe that's a skill. Like, that could be a skill issue. Like, I just haven't adapted around the gun enough to have the reaction time because I'm expecting it that, like, maybe that will be a thing. And as Chase was saying, like, if he doesn't think Light Shield's meta is dead because of this gun, like, there there may very well be times when I shoot somebody in the in the chest, I get the kill off the Light Shields, and, like, currently, I'm not expecting that to be a thing. But if Light Shields kind of persists, uh, then, like, I might have that preset as, like, hey, if you get the kill here on the first shot, you need to be mentally cognizant to not pull the trigger again. But I feel like currently, in the way in which we're seeing the outlaw, it's either one shot, fuck off, or both downrange, like, at the same time. At the same target. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I haven't seen a scenario in which I've seen somebody hit two different targets back to back and like understanding that that's what they were trying to do. I expect to see that in some pro games. Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure yay is going to be really fucking good at that. Mm -hmm. But you know, yeah. And one thing that we discussed as well off podcast cast is that even though this gun has a faster fire rate than the Marshall for the two shots, it definitely is a lot more chaotic and difficult to uh, figure out what's happening between the shots. It's much easier with the Marshall where you unscope to then see, you know, down the line versus where you get your sight bumped, you know, into the sky a little bit between shots. And it's not awful, but it's enough to be 
to, to make it difficult to follow exactly what's happening in between your shots. Yeah, I, 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 I see that. It's like, also tracking on that gun is kind of weird. Like, it's almost easier than I think it should be. If that makes sense. So, like, track through the scope? Well, to track through the scope being bumped off of where it... Because, like, okay, you're aiming down you're aiming down the sight, right? Yeah. You know exactly where that first bullet's going. Right, but then... You pull the you trigger, but then the crosshair goes up to the sky a bit. Mm-hmm. And, in theory, you still kind of know where that next bullet's going. Because as soon as you can fire that gun again, it's going into the exact same spot. Right, which is pretty unique for be... video games in general. Yeah. I thought it would be more difficult to... If someone is crossing an angle to take the first shot and then properly track them while your crosshair is in the process of going up and coming back down. Like, I I found that that is actually easier than I thought it was going to be to the point where it's, like, surprised me when I landed the second shot in a couple of scenarios. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if there's, like, a slight input cue effect or something, but, like, one of the things that really surprised me testing out the outlaw in the range is that it really feels like, and I would have to, like, I I don't know the best way to test this, but it really feels like you can press, you know, left-click again before the uh, sight picture has landed after the recoil from the first shot. And you will fire again, and it's going to be in the, at the same position as the first shot was. And whether that's purely some sort of optical illusion, that my brain isn't working fast enough to understand what's happening, yeah, like I, that's I possible. I think it's that your brain isn't working fast enough, because I'm pretty sure the the sight is reset the second you can fire, or the instant you can fire that second shot. So I think it's your brain not just, or just not registering that fast enough. Yeah, what what, oh, and, and I'm what not saying, saying brain, is you're slow. I'm not saying yeah. my brain does register that. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I've often said because, I am myself. Right. From my perspective, I agree with what you're saying. But from having mm-hmm. slowed clips down to, I don't know, like 0.25 speed or whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure the site does fully reset when you pull that trigger again. Yeah, and I'm realizing as as we're talking about this that part of it as well is that there are two other notable times where you're using a sniper rifle and are waiting to be accurate with the next shot. One is when you're scoping in with the op that you can't immediately shoot accurately when you see the, you know, start to see through the scope, you have to wait uh, a little bit longer. And then also if with either the marshal or the op, if you're jump shotting or jump peeking with it, you also have to wait a tick before firing. So I guess I, I am used to from those things being like, okay, target acquired, now wait, like, 0.3 seconds or whatever it is. Yeah. So this no, not so being that, that probably feels, like, too fast. I, I'm assuming that you never do this either, but it's the same thing when you swing an angle scoped in with an off. Oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the same thing. It's not like you can't counter-strafe an off. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like you, you have to, like, fully arrest your momentum. Uh, like, it, like, it takes a second after your momentum is arrested for you to be accurate. Like, unlike a Vandal, where, like, there's that frame, or maybe it's a two-frame window, where as you're strafing back and forth, you can fire that shot perfectly accurately with either a sure, Vandal yeah. or a Phantom or pretty much any other gun in the game. 
um, the op has it coded in such that you cannot do that. There is just a natural delay. I would assume I it is that, similar yeah. for the Marshall, but I don't know. It might be one of those things I'm where never... it's so fast, like 0.05 seconds or something, that practically speaking, you don't notice it. Yeah, like I, I've never tried that with a Marshall because if I'm strafing into an angle, I'm either the Marshall just scopes in faster or I'm willing to no scope it if somebody is actually there. Like I'm not. Like the only time I have to do that is when I'm in. Mm, sorry. Awkward, like, when I'm forced to entry with an op because Spike is down and I'm in a 1VX and the gun that I have is an operator and there's no rifle for me to pick up is, like, when I really notice that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm kind of mentally acknowledging I don't have the ability to push into this line, ADS, and then take the shot. It's like, that's going to take too long. And so I kind of need to be scoped in to begin with. Um, that makes sense. But yeah. The... Alright, anybody got anything else related to any of the guns we've talked about? I mean, not particularly. Think, I yeah. think to beat a dead horse a little bit more um, with the light shields and, and the outlaw, um, I was just thinking that most of the time where you're talking about light shields meta in general, uh, it is against a full buy. Um, at least the way that I've described how I think about it. Um, mm-hmm. Because if they're, if the other team is not full buying, then I am better off going full shields because, you know, you might encounter those stinger specters, you know, guns that do more chip damage. Um, mm-hmm. But in in the same vein, in a full buy round, you're not expecting to see an outlaw. If the other team has, like, plenty of money to buy... At least at this current moment, like the outlaw is just not being purchased enough that uh, I expect to see. It. I expect to see it as much as I see a guardian in full buy rounds. Which is, uh, uh, I expect if there's a person like our buddy Cam, yeah, like uh, who who really likes using the guardian, then I expect to see it out of them. And if there's somebody on the other team that I know really likes using the outlaw, I expect to see it out of them. But you know, any normal full buy round, I don't expect to see an outlaw. Uh, uh, I hard disagree with that. Specifically on yeah. Chamber, I definitely buy Outlaws when I could afford Phantom Vandal. Yeah, no, not, I'm not I'm not talking not about if you, could, if you could afford op, would you? No. If I could afford op, I would I probably we're talking buy about against a light yeah. buy. Didn't you well, say when you're matter. on a full buy? It doesn't and the other team. No, no, you know you're going up against a full buy. Yeah. Oh, I had that yeah, backwards. Like you know oh, okay. you're going sorry, sorry, up yeah. against a full buy. Yeah, that that's yeah. fair. Okay, I'm. Right, I'm, I'm the other team now. has plenty of money to buy, right, and that yeah, means yeah, they like, have plenty of money to buy off as well if they if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. got and it. I'm got like, it. Okay, and we're yeah. on a I'm position where all we're also full buying, but maybe I don't have the money to buy an off. Specifically on chamber, and on Lotus because that's the map that I've decided I'm now playing chamber on. Um... I have definitely bought Outlaw in rounds where I could afford a Vandal. Yeah, so maybe you pick that up and then you, you know, if you're expecting and I, and I like, those angles, you just know that, but... Yeah, yeah, and I like the precedence of it. Like, I, I like putting pressure on the other team to being like, hey, this is in play. 
Like, it's like, it's not that you need to only be worried about this when you check our econ and you see that I have enough money to buy an operator. It's like, I, I want you to be, I want you to be fearful that there could be an outlaw in play. Because a lot of the times it's going to stop the, like, the Vandal Light Shields from their team. Because people are worried about getting, you know, one tap to the body with, like, a quote-unquote better operator if they're going light shields. Yeah. Um, like, I like the pressure that that puts on. And I feel like... I feel like that's something that we might see in the pro meta. Just the the mental game of... Of showing just willingness to buy it. Yeah, yeah, of showing the willingness to buy it. And, like, maybe it's going to be there this round. And you don't know. Um, to kind of... I don't know. It, it, it's I like that it's kind of a game of rock paper scissors, almost. Like when you get to like the macro perspective of how you think about it, and that like and I agree with Chase. I don't think White Shield's meta is dead. Like at the end of the day, if somebody yeah. on the enemy team has an outlaw in a full buy round, it's going to be just one of them, and you should treat it the same way you'd play against if they had an op. If you're choosing to go with the White Shield's meta. Right, mm-hmm. and like teams, like teams are accustomed to having to play around the idea that somebody on the other team has an off. Like you're just gonna have to do that a little bit more often if you want to go with white shields, and someone has shown willingness to buy an outlaw. Yeah, um, definitely. It just adds another layer to it. I, yeah. I I've had teammates who are like kind of buying into the propaganda of light shields meta is dead and so when i've been buying light shields in in some of my like solo queue games i just get railed by my teammates and i'm like dude they haven't bought an outlaw all fucking game like it's not <laughs> like i haven't seen one if you see one let me know maybe i'll buy full shields next round like yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay I'm saying that you people need to think about it a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah like i i don't think light shields meta is dead i don't like light shields meta I don't subscribe to it, but I know that Chase does and Hunter does sometimes, and I don't think the outlaw is going to be enough to affect that. Yeah, I also but, used to get roasted sometimes for not buying full shields when I could with a rifle, even before the outlaw came out. So mm-hmm. teammates sometimes just want to micromanage your economy a little bit, and that's just how it is. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's nothing inherently wrong with it, especially like when it does give you the ability to hero rifle in the next round. Right. Well, there's just so many times where you can just constantly be buying yeah, rifles, even though right. you're losing and rounds. Like, and so, like, and if we play in a manner around that, right? Now, Chase being Brimstone on most maps and on other maps, he's... Well, Chase just being the person who plays third man in as a role, it's like it might not be the best person to have on a hero rifle in general. You might want either your entry or your second man in to have that rifle. No, but, but the best person to have on hero rifle is yourself. Yes. Like, just always, you, like, I'm not, <laughs> yeah. not saying, like, you, you I'm hero. just saying, for, for my gameplay, the best yeah. person to be on the hero rifle is me. Yes, and I, right? I agree with that. Like, I, it's funny, I, I actually disagree rifle. with that for me. I would prefer to, <laughs> I would prefer to have the lower stakes, just let me run in with the Stinger or Bucky and see what I can do. Mm. I don't know, if I'm, if I'm having a game where I'm just not hitting shots... And, like, the buys are such that, like, somebody on this team is going to have to force in. It's like, I'll buy the, you know, our Reyna or our Jet 
or whoever's popping off that rifle and just be like, hey, just get me whatever you can. Uh, like, I don't mind being the guy forcing in here. Especially yeah, for when sure. I'm that, like, that's definitely something that, like, yeah, it's like, dude, like, you know right? what? I'm having an off day. I'm not hitting my shots. Like, but if it's somebody, one person on the team has the money to buy a rifle, you bet your fucking ass that's going to be in my hands. If I'm the guy with mm-hmm. the econ to do it. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to hero rifle somebody else. Maybe in Premiere, I would hero rifle Alex. Yeah, I would hero rifle somebody if I'm having a really bad game and somebody else on my team is really popping off. And then I would just have the ability by going light shields to offer that service. Mm-hmm. Right? Of being like, oh yeah, I'll still stick with a frenzy or whatever this round, but I'll give you the, the rifle. Yeah. See, it, it's wild to me to hear this conversation because I didn't realize that I look at light buys so much differently than you guys. Like, I actually really like being on a light buy as long as I can buy something that's more than a pistol. I hate, like, you know, classic uh, saves. But um, the what I like about it is, especially if I'm playing someone who can do some cool stuff, uh, Yoru being the most obvious example, but it was true when I was playing Jet as well. It, like, removes a lot of the, you know, con- consideration of, oh, I want to try X, but it's too risky. Because, you know, there's still some things that are absolute throws to do that you shouldn't do. But at the same time, when you're on that save, you know, the odds are stacked against you in the round anyway. So if you're going to try something that a high risk, high reward play, then it's much more acceptable to do that if you're on a save. And I love not having to feel like, damn, I just threw that. I love being able to go for the home run. Um, oh, no, it's very I, freeing I, that way. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. And like, I like that ideology mm-hmm. i don't necessarily subscribe to that all the time but like right yeah you're right it's like make that stupid tp into someone's face yeah exactly. losing this round anyway make or try to make the best of something right? and i should not be the hero rifler if i'm doing that which is why i'm very happy to be the guy mm-hmm. with the smg in the save rather than the. yeah i mean some, yeah. something also that like light shields allows you to do um because i i agree with you in certain circumstances there um but also, I agree with you that I hate going, like, classic only mm. or, like, just pistol into a round a lot of the time. So going Light Shields meta allows me often to have that extra, you know, five, 600 credits that it would yeah. take for me to force up to the Stinger and be okay with Light Shields in the next round instead yep. of needing, like, 4,000 credits in the next round. I feel like perhaps you guys need to do the Eliminate 50 in the range with a classic a little more often. I'm just throwing that out there. Like, I, I remember there was one round in particular. I, I think Chase ended up getting a 4K and clutching this round out, if I remember correctly. But he went into the round with a ghost against yeah, the I went, full buy. I went ghost, no shields against the full buy, yeah. And I would never fucking do that. Like, the ghost is, in my opinion, the last gun I would want against a full buy. I can't think of a single other gun in the game that I would want less than a ghost. I will usually not do that. However, if I'm on defense and I would like to, uh, and I'm flanking, that's when the ghost becomes that uh, no shields save by, just because uh, quickly deleting someone from medium range, that's where it, it uh, gets its value for me versus a classic. Oh, I feel like it doesn't. I mean, yeah. over another pistol, like over the classic... I would, over take the the frenzy. Over that. I would take the classic over that. I would take the frenzy over that. The frenzy is no. so inaccurate now. 
No, 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 no. Like the, the frenzy can be a bit awkward when you get into those longer. You range need closer games. range. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, but like again, if I'm planning on going for the play that you've suggested, I would not buy the frenzy, right? Like if I'm buying yeah. the frenzy, it's because I have a a manner of, uh, or I have a thought about how I want to use this. Now, right. as the round unfolds, let's say I end up in that situation anyway, right? I went and played, let's say Haven's back in the map pool. I'm playing sewers. I got a frenzy. They don't end up coming. They make no noise. I'm like, oh, well, like, let me push out and take control A lobby. And then I catch somebody over by C long as they're grouping up to hit C. I'm probably just not taking that gunfight. I'm probably just keeping that info, assuming that they haven't seen me and I'm forced into the gunfight, right? Like, I'm probably just going to you know, try to close the gap as silently and as quickly as I can to and provide as much info as I can to my team. I mean, absolutely. That's what you should do in that circumstance. And yeah, now, and let's say they caught me out. Well, I'm probably dead regardless of what, what, if I have a frenzy versus a ghost, right? And I'm assuming it's in that price point. But, But it's like, I'm probably dead anyway, right? Probably. I mean, confirmation bias here on that one round where I got the 4K, but... Like, okay, you got you know, two kills that I don't think you should have gotten. I they were both headshots. Yes, they were, but and it killed. Well, I mean, it okay, was well, a double, it the... was a double headshot, and then yeah. and then the second one was no, somebody was, was... who was already dinked. Yeah, and then uh, I only stupidly them. stuck his TP. He should not have stuck his TP, but sure, but the ghost fucking worked. Yeah, 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 I'm not saying it did, but like, okay. And, and the I frenzy think... would have, and or classic, I'm not sure would have worked in either of those scenarios. There is, yeah, because we don't know exactly how much health they had. I think you get the first kill with the classic. The first kill, sure but, the, but the I don't omen. get the second one with the classic. I'm not sure if you get the omen with the classic. That yeah. one, we don't know, because I have no idea how much health he had. But like, it's just, am I going to spend 500 credits on this round for the potential of running into the exact situation you did? Yeah, it's fucking 500 credits. Fuck it. Yeah, but that's two trips the next round. Well, but I'm... This is that's factoring in that this is something ages. you can buy already. Like, like I have 500 credits to spare to buy this round, if I want. I feel like I go the frenzy, though. I feel like because our team is saving... I mean, most of the time, I do go with the frenzy and i've said that on the podcast before that i am the most confident with any pistol or like of of any pistol i'm the most confident against a full buy with a frenzy mm-hmm. because i feel like if you can get yourself into that situation you actually have a decent shot of uh like gunning them down with a frenzy yeah i'm also thinking like i mean this was back in the meta way the way back in the day but it used to be um uh, White Shield's Frenzy on Pistol mm-hmm. Round, right? Yeah. Yeah, five men just run it down an area. He got five Frenzies and White Shield's pointed at people. You just gun people down. Especially, like, because you know the enemy team can't fire, like, are not going to five stack a fucking avenue on Pistol Round. Right. Um, But I feel like the the idea of the Frenzy on Save Rounds is more powerful the more people buy into it. Like, the more frenzies you have running down a given avenue, 
I feel it gets exponential growth on the strength of the frenzy. That's fair. I just have really lost confidence in the gun since the nerfs, uh, just because you combine the relatively slow fire rate and now the incredible inaccuracy, and it just you know there was there was one round in our premier game. I think it was yeah, it was in our premier game where Chase knew someone was heavy tagged and he full autoed with the frenzy, and he wasn't he was pointed at at that them more or less. And I mean, it was definitely a, a lot of a whiff, but it yeah. was. Like, you know, I was hoping one bullet would hit them. That's all I was going for. And yeah. one bullet did not hit them. Yeah, the bullets were going all over the place. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was a whip plus bad RNG. It yeah. happens. But, like, the fact is, um, there's a lot of RNG involved in the frenzy. Um, sure, sure. But there's yeah. a lot of RNG when you grab a classic and you just refuse to left click. Uh, I, I was waiting to get to that. That I, <laughs> I've been thinking about this. And there have been a couple situations in which I have uh, uh, criminally overused the right click and should not have. But there are also sometimes I think you guys underestimate the power of the right click. So I mean, no, we were watching that in game the other day where, yeah, like no, no, but Hunter had like three right click kills RNG. in a row. Yeah, yeah. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, my, and, my right click don't work like that. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing. That I was, was I was disgusting. thinking about that because you because Cass was like, I am so mad that you got those kills. You should not have gotten those kills. <laughs> and like th- the thing about the right click is that it allows you to have you know a lot of chances to you know three chances at once to do the damage you're looking to do. So I think the thing that the advantage that it gives you, even if you don't immediately get great RNG with it is that if you know, someone is in a given position and you swing out and are roughly pointed in the right spot, you can fire immediately. Cause normally when you aim in Valorant with, with a gun that like, you know, is, is not a full auto or a shotgun, you have to, you know, pre aim, aim, and then adjust your aim as you're taking the fight. Otherwise, you know, if you just fire as soon as you see the enemy and you've, you know, done your pre-aiming before that, oftentimes you're not going to be accurate unless they're right where you pre-aim. Whereas with the classic, if you if you swing pre-aimed and they're roughly near where your crosshair is, you squeeze that right click and now you can almost guarantee that you fired before they have. And also because you're doing that so quickly, there is, depending on what gun they have in the situation, there's also a reasonable chance now you can fire and move before they get their shot off, and their first Wait, shot is what, unlikely what, to be good. What what fucking makes me mauled though is when you quad right click when somebody's reloading, and you're okay, just okay. staring at each other. That's that's and where I've I, seen that. that that's the criminal many times. That's yeah. that's where I said that you know there have been some situations, and I do feel like over the past week I have been doing some more left clicking. But mm-hmm. the, the, but I was thinking specifically of the route that you were talking about on split, where I just I was playing Gecko. My dizzy yeah. got someone CT. I just swung and right clicked and headshot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hey, you know what? And that's totally fine. Yeah. I have no problem with your right click in that scenario. Now, mm-hmm. do I think that? You could have gotten the kill with a left click and gotten out in time. Maybe. Yes. Do I also think that you like you can run that scenario back a hundred fucking times. You don't get that kill in one right click any other time you run that scenario. Oh, I, sure. And that's, right, that's that why was I was fucking goaded RNG. Well, that's where I was bringing up what I'm saying in that yeah. I don't get the kill the first time all the time, but I'm taking a chance at getting the first shot off. And a lot of times... I won't be immediately shot because I'm all of a, I'm shooting before they can, and then also, yeah. I'm also able to then to set up for my next shot. But I, I think because he was Gecko Good, yeah, you could have gotten the left hook kill. Now I understand it was a very hectic situation. You don't know where the next person's pushing you from to get the trade mm-hmm. or whatever. I get it. I have no problem with the right click. 
Yeah. You got some goaded RNG back to back to back. It was <laughs> disgusting. Shit happens. Yeah. You probably made the right choice with the right clicks there. Thank you. Thank I've you. just seen you make very poor choices with the right clicks in other scenarios. Yeah, and I, I fully do admit that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, okay. Well, moving on here. Uh, Breeze is being changed once again. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was now, so funny when I saw this. I Are, are they taking it out of the map pool? I mean, that would have not been funny. That would have been a cause for rejoicing. Yeah, (laughs) I believe it was either... It might have been Zekin's dad. One of the pro players whose father is very into the Valorant scene. Papa Com is Zekin's dad? Huh? Oh, yeah, Com's dad. Papa Com is the most opinionated dad. Yeah, I I don't think it was Papa Com. I kind of remember there being a Z in the name. But at any rate, like when the changes got put out there to say, oh, like, yeah, there's... Could be a change to Breeze. And he's like, please tell me they're just fucking getting rid of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was great. Yeah, not relatable as hell. That's not exactly what he said in the tweet. You can, I'm sure you can go find it somewhere if you mm-hmm. care to look. But Halls is open again. Oh, thank God. Really? Yes. So that's oh, you didn't case. see this, Chase? Yeah. No, I Halls didn't see this is, at all. Halls is just back open again. That's great. And Love the change. Hate the map. Love the change. I don't know how I feel about it from a I'm sure from a pro perspective it's a very good change. It just from gives a, options. But from my enjoyment of the map, I'm not sure if I like that. I hate that you either have to keep someone posted halls or have utility posted halls just to deal with the threat that somebody could be working through there. And I feel like this is something that it's why I really like that I, uh, that window in Tube on Icebox. Because you can have somebody who's now posted mid to watch mid and they will see if someone is lurking up Tube. Yeah, if you have like the Viper Wall or whatever that crosses there and blocks yeah, the Yeah, or the Orb or whatever it yeah. is, right? Like I could see if somebody just works up tube, you don't have to actively keep someone or have some utility there posted to deal with it. Now, yeah, and I a, hate that change for the same reason. Right. From a pro perspective, I think it makes sense. It is a an element of the map that you are forced to design your team comp around. And that is fair when you have a group of five guys that are playing together consistently and are building strategies and team comps based off how they want to play the map. It is a consideration that they have to consider. And I think that's totally fine. From a ranked perspective, when you don't have as much fluidity and control on what agents you are going to get in a solo queue lobby, I do not... I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think that halls in general was just a wasted part of the map because they had fully blocked it off. But I don't know if I like the fact that now it's open and now you're forcing somebody to pay attention to that on the off chance somebody's going to work through there. And I feel like you're almost better off, unless the enemy team has been consistently using it, just accepting you were going to lose a round or two a game because somebody fully flying through halls silently and is going to shoot you in the back and like maybe that's just okay i mean i think that 
I or not Icebox. Uh, Breeze just needs more options for attackers because they just took away so many, like so many avenues um, for attack when they did the map rework. And we talked about that when when it originally came out of just how you know simplified everything was. Um, and playing the the map, I feel often on attack like very constrained about like where you can go, wh- where your next move is, what a mix up might might be. Um, yeah, but opening up halls again at least gives another half or quarter option. You know, it's because it's not something that's going to be reliable or something you can use all that often. But it's something that you can think about, or at least that the defenders have to think about. Um, and so it, it just gives more options there, more things to uh, go a different way in a round. Maybe I don't know. I think I think there was a Wahujin video on Breeze that I've seen in some time in the last month that I think he put it best is like on attack on Breeze, take any 50-50 aim duel you can get. Because you need the enemy team to 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 fuck up for you to win on attack. It is kind of what he was saying. Like, assuming everybody's playing theoretically meta or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's interesting it, like, because I saw a Reddit need... post saying that the the Breeze changes uh, moved the win rate on Breeze to almost exactly 50-50 attack defense, which doesn't make any sense to me because I very much feel no. similarly to you that it's heavily, heavily defender-sided. So I'm, I wish I, I could find okay, that. I post. feel like that's also a rank thing where you're going to get a Reyna who stupidly pushes down tunnels every fucking round. Or halls. Or whatever the... What, yeah, what's that called? Elbow? 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 Yeah, you're going to get a Reyna who oh, pushes elbow. down oh, the yeah, yeah, okay. uh, Something that uh, Wahujin also pointed out in that video is Reyna's love pushing elbow for some reason. Yeah, no, you um, do a three count and then you double swing elbow. Like that... Like yeah. Barriers drop, you take a three count and then double swing elbow and you're gonna get a kill a lot of the time. Uh, I, I think that's another thing that he was saying, like, it, he was watching uh, a Cypher VOD, like a a Radiant Cypher VOD on Breeze, and he's like, at 135, every single round, like, this Cypher was checking his camera for Elbow to tag the Reyna that would be stuck out in the open between, like, or in an awkward spot in Elbow. And he's like, that's the timing. Uh, and like before he even did it as soon as he saw that camera placed he called that the cypher was going to check his camera at 135 on the clock wow um, before he even saw the cypher do it he's like this guy will check cam at 135 Damn. to tag out this Reyna um, and it happened multiple times and I was like wow that's that's interesting I guess Reyna's dislike fucking pushing elbow yeah. Um, yeah in general I think that like I fully agree. In my experience, um, Breeze is very defender-sided, and that has a lot to do with the fact that I don't really know what agent I want to play. I'll probably just end up playing Cypher on that map, because the Behold is really, really fucking good. Um, Yeah, and Cypher Viper is just really good. Yeah, but I really, really fucking struggle on attack on Cypher on that map. Yeah, Cass, I feel like I feel like especially when we're looking towards premiere, it might be a good idea for us to more commonly have me on A and you on B. And I can mm-hmm. have my orb 
on most rounds I could have my orb a main and then I get a, I can have my wall crossing mid and covering the jump up spot. Yeah. Um because and there may even be better walls I can look into it, but I, I like that one just because it makes it so annoying to, you know, push up to that space in mid. Um because what I find a lot what I found a lot with new breeze is I've been playing B on uh as viper and because just the I feel like the orb control on B is so nice. But as a result, my team often loses on A. And then you're having to retake, the, the wall is still nice, but I, I'd rather not be retaking as Viper. So if I can reduce I the like A also, power, that would be I feel huge. like also you could have your orb B and just you play A. Yeah, but you're saying yeah, he, a... he'd rather have the full utility to delay a push A. I don't think it makes sense to have both Viper wall and Viper orb on the same site anymore. Well, I, I think and it I doesn't make like... sense if you don't have someone strong to slow down the B push, but if your Cypher setup is on B, then I think it's fine. Because I think your Cypher setup is, is annoying enough to seriously slow them down. And it, a lot of this also depends on how but... much they're working mid, because if they're not that yeah. great at taking mid, I can save my wall for retaking B. Right. I don't know. I, I, I feel like just in general, though, like the... like, And this is just a problem that Cypher faces as a whole, is he can be overwhelmed rather easily. I think that's the weakness of his kit. Now, is that, if I'm getting my one, that might not be enough. But if I'm getting two every time they entry, and then I just get overwhelmed and die, like, I'll take that trade any day of the week. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's fine. But I feel like there's no... Even though the Cypher hold on B is very strong... I feel like it is also the same with any Cypher setup on most maps, is overwhelmable. If you just throw bodies at, if you take like Russia's war plan and just throw bodies at the issue. Mm-hmm. Some of you guys are going to die, but that's a sacrifice. Ooh, I'm, going to I'm, I'm resisting the urge to say it. I, I won't say it this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Just in general, I don't know how I feel about halls being opened back up. Like, I. I like it for pro play. I don't think I like it for my ranked games. Yeah, my, my take is similar to yours, just slightly different in that I like that sort of along the lines of what Chase said in terms of attacker options. I like the the idea that at least there's something new to the map or not new, but you know, one more option opened up. However, I really don't think it's going to fundamentally transform the fact that it's just kind of a bad map. Um, or I don't know if bad's the right word. I just yeah, really I just like hate the map. It. I I'm yes. still not going to like it. I'm not. I have no uh, reservations that I'm going to like the the map, given Halls is now open. Yeah, I, I, I still feel like as a general of them though, we should be looking for more fifty fifty aim duels on that map, which is something sure. that I feel like I personally do all the time anyway. Yeah, but I feel like maybe that's something that you guys might want to incorporate into the. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that was a big part of my uh, of the game we played last with me playing Harbor. Like there were a number of times, especially when Tony was behind me, that I would aggressively swing an angle to get that fifty fifty, die, and find that Tony was like nowhere near behind me. And I feel like sometimes it was Chase as well. But like we just were not on the same page in terms of taking those duels. Where either if we didn't take them or did take them, either one would have been better than the half and half. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Shit, I had one more thing to say, but I kind of lost my train of thought right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I think this was, like, a stealth change that never got, like, confirmed in the patch notes, but, like, 
I think in the current iteration of Breeze, while Hulls is still blocked off, um, that door starts open now. Oh, I was wondering. Now, if they change Hulls to be open, I feel like that door has to fucking start closed. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty defender-sided as it is, so it might be nice for the attackers to have it open to start. Yeah, but like, I feel like opening up Hulls is already an attacker-sided change. Sure. Sure, I agree. And if that door is open from the start, that's a lot more awkward to have your Sentinel's utility now hold that. Because you don't get access to that before barriers go down. I can't trip up that area as Cypher. That's fair. Unless I'm actively playing Halls. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Right? I can't trip up that area as Chamber unless I'm actively playing Halls. Like... And by having to be there when the barrier goes down, that voids me of being on a different line. Sure, but I feel feel like like that door needs to be closed so that you can trip up the push through. And then if they open the door, well, now you know someone's fucking there. And I feel like that's a fair trade-off. Whereas currently, if if that door remains open... I feel like that is way too strong. In terms of you're now forced to have somebody play this line at the beginning of the round. I mean, they could always cast a piece of utility, either uh, like Chamber or Cypher Trip, um, from stairs as soon as the barrier drops, and then um, either go hold double doors or hold from stairs to main. Yeah, but that's a line that I'm not on at the beginning of the round. I'm, I'm, like, more thinking from a yeah, but both, perspective here. They're both lines that you don't need to be on immediately because no one would be swinging them for the first 10 seconds of a round anyway. Yeah, but, like, as specific as Chamber, like, you might want to swing double doors right off barrier drop. Yeah. That's a strong line yeah. to be on. You might want to swing a main off barrier drop. That's a strong line to be on. Now, Cypher doesn't have those issues as much, but, again, it voids the potential of me playing with a teammate and double-swinging mid or double-swinging a main. I now can't do that because off-barrier drop, I have to be playing a very passive position at stairs. And I don't think that that is good for the meta. Yeah, it's. I think you're looking at this from the perspective of Chamber uh, in particular, or maybe Cypher as well. But like, I think the the thing that pushing, pushing halls is still going to be fairly difficult for the reason that it being a narrow space... Um, there's just so many pieces of utility that are very easy to use from the defender side to slow down that push or to take duels against the people, you know, pushing down there. So like, well, yes, it's, I totally get the idea that now it's something you have to worry about on the defense and devote, take resources away from elsewhere on the map to account for, um, I don't feel like it's going to be this overpowered thing to have people go halls just because it's a bit of a meat grinder to get down there as long as, you know, people are, there is someone there to know you're coming. Yeah, but no one's fucking five-man playing hall. Like, no no team fucking five-man rundowns, like, runs down a hall. Oh, sure, sure. But but even if even if you were trying to, like, split A with, like, a two halls, three main, something like that, I, I think there are plenty of times that's not going to work out for you. No, I feel like you go, like... Utility. Three main, one mid, one halls, maybe, or two mid, two halls. But now the enemy team doesn't know if it's two halls or two mid. 
right? When you're splitting in. Yeah. And there's so much easy util that blocks off, like, just fucking omens smoke the end of halls. I mean, vipers have orb lineups for the end of halls. Um, yeah, but I mean, if, if we're talking viper orb, that's an incredibly useful piece of util. But there's a serious opportunity cost to using it at the end of halls. It's great for crossing mid. It's great for post plants. You might not be able to get it back if you don't push down there. So, like, yeah, I feel like that in itself... I think you may be overestimating how much it's going to help the attackers having the door open. And we don't even know if the door will be open. Yeah, but I feel like the door needs to be closed, though. And I still stand by that. I would rather them, I would rather them you know, take a swing at making it more attacker-sided and then see how it goes. So, like, you might be right. But I feel like they should start with it open because that's the biggest attacker-sided change and it needs to be more attacker-sided. Um, and then if it's a problem, they can it, always close like, it. Right as in. you were saying, like, it's very close to 50-50 right now. Yeah, well, I'm talking about my own experience on the map. That, like, I don't know... I'm curious where it is that it's getting those 50-50 odds because I don't think it will be in pro and it certainly isn't in gold. So is it just, you know, high-ranked that's not pro that it's even? Like, that, that's... I'm not really understanding where that stat it has is coming a lot from. to do with the way in which you play the map or I play the map or Chase plays the map, like... I, I feel know. like the five men just fucking run it down A is still very valuable. Or very valid, I mean. Uh, and it's just getting people in ranked to not be fucking stupid and overpeaking. Like, I mean, I feel hard, like my experience, but I feel like it's doable. Yeah, my experience is that the five man run it down A, people are, now that Breeze has been back in the pool for a while, people are getting really good at countering that with spamming from the mid side of site uh, as people are pushing up to plant. And also dropping a shit ton of mollies and other AoE stuff in that area. Like, I have gotten shredded as Viper pushing up to there by both spam and mollies and Sova shock darts, raise nades, the whole nine yards, so much. And, you know, having more people there only increases the uh, chance of that uh, claiming some souls as you're getting there. So like, I'd be so down to try running it down a more, but I, yeah. I I do feel like it's it's getting a bit tough given the counters that people are cooking up. I don't know. I still feel like it's a very valid strategy, and like yeah, oh, you sure. probably want to have somebody mid, you know. But like, and then the the player mid just needs to have like a good sense of timing on yep. like how fast they should be moving up mid versus how slow and. Whatnot? How likely like, someone again, is to flank just, out a B is part of the calculation. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like that's just going to come with reps. Mm -hmm. uh, like I myself am not great at that. Um, I feel like I'm either I'm either too fast or too slow. I feel like it's very rare that I get that right timing on when to be pushing through double doors. Uh, but again, yeah. I think that's just a reps thing. Like I'm going to learn what those timings are or I feel like that's also something that, like, could be worthwhile. Like, specifically on Breeze, where you are looking to take these 50-50 kind of aim duels, is, like, going into a custom and doing a bit of King of the Hill. In which, mm -hmm. like, it's someone's job to hold mid-doors, and then we have... We take turns running it up mid and trying to kill that person, and then whoever gets that killed just gets to stay mid-doors until they die or whatever. Yeah, that'd be uh, really be fun, fun to do, but in preparation for our Breeze game. I don't remember yeah. when our Breeze game is. Like, same thing with, like, A-Main, or, like, as you're trying to entry B, just, like, no util, just all raw aim, or, like, just pushing on mid in general. Like, we just find where the the hill is. Um, But, 
Yeah, because I feel like we do want to be taking those 50-50 aim duels, and it's something that we should get better at. Pre-aiming, being aware of where people can be, being aware of timings off barrier drop and stuff like that are. Um, And I think it's like, especially for pushing mid, I feel like that's kind of like a a reps thing. It's like you're just going to need to get the fucking repetitions in. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, to bring it back for a sec to the door, it's going to be closed off the rip. Like, I feel like the whole conversation is probably just useless because it's just going to be closed. What? Us having useless conversations on podcasts? It doesn't <laughs> sound right. It doesn't sound like us. Right, like having it open doesn't make any sense because who fucking closes it then? Like, somebody off the rip on defender side, but like you have to wait for it to arm or, or whatever? Like, that. just no one's going to use the fucking door. Well, I mean, yeah. the same is true of how it is now, right? Well, that well I mean, the same the, when it's blocked off. But I mean, yeah, then the problem is the whole space off and, is and yeah. it's open. Right. I think that right now, like, because it's blocked off and it's open, like, it, it was fucking useless anyway. Why is it not open from well, the start of the round? Because I feel like whoever routes through mid, especially if you route fast through mid, you should be routing stairs and then close that door. I feel like, especially as a jet, I feel like that's optimal routing on attack. I feel like jet wants to route through mid because, assuming you've got the viper wall up, the jet dash into sight is not very advantageous. It doesn't do a whole lot for you that somebody else in your team couldn't do. Yeah. And again, if we're going super meta here, you have a um you have a Sova too. Sova can just drone you out and clear those close angles. Like um I don't know. I feel like jet entering through A main, especially with that Viper Wall in play, is not super valuable. And so you would almost want your jet to route through mid. Um take that duel mid if they need to. They can smoke their own cross to double doors if there's no one playing double doors. Um and then go directly to stairs and potentially close that that hall's area. Yeah, sure. I just think it's going to be closed when they change mm-hmm. the the hall back to open. Well, I think it's going to be open. Let's talk about this for another ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, what do we think about post? Ugh, English is hard. Post buff deadlock. I'll be honest, I've seen her more. I haven't seen her a ton. And I I guess my first thoughts are she, her sonic sensors, now that we're getting to see them used a little bit more smartly, definitely have some upside in terms of, you know, not watching flank, but just making it, especially in post plants, to where it's really annoying to have to look for them. Otherwise, you get concussed. And then her wall... Definitely is a royal pain if it gets thrown down in front of you and you're planning on hitting because you're like, well, damn, now we have to, you know, safely break the wall, which will take a lot of time or leave. Um, So I feel like her impact has increased by a lot, but I don't really have a ton of thoughts other than she's significantly more annoying to play against and significantly more viable. I've seen seen her like twice in, in two games, and I think the Sonic Sensor, it still needs to be a very, like, specific location and duel to get value out of 
because it's just so easy to shoot when you see it on the wall. Like what what I've seen it get value out of is when um, somebody is like flanking, they see it on the wall, but they are also very like exposed to be swung from a different angle. Um, and so then they have to make the decision of, do I take this duel or do I move my crosshair to shoot it? And that's where it can get value because if they take the duel, then they're getting stunned. And if they move the crosshair to shoot it, then they're not looking at where somebody is taking a duel with them. Um, I've been in a few fucked if I do, fucked if I don't scenarios with it now, specifically on Icebox, like a site when I'm retaking. Mm -hmm. I know where the sonic sensor is, but if I shoot the sensor, the deadlock swings me and I'm dead. If I hold for the deadlock and then take the duel, I then get concussed and the second player swings me and now I'm also probably dead. Which is the one that I go for. Yeah. And just hope that you hit the concussed shot on player two or whoever it is. But like, I, I've definitely been in a couple situations in which I've now noticed that like, oh, I'm fucked. And that didn't happen before. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really seen them myself yet, um, other than when I've been like spectating someone else's position. I still have never been hit by a sonic sensor. But wow. it, that's not saying much because I never have a fucking deadlock in my game, so mm. Yeah, there's a crazy clutch that a deadlock had, uh it was me and a rando. Cass was also in the game. And uh Deadlock was on uh Asai Sunset and she was ulting right as I swung her. She jumped around as I was shooting, so I got a couple shots into her, but did not get the head tap. And I got cocooned, and my teammate tried to swing and trade, but uh, because he was right there, but he got sonic censored and uh, concussed, and the deadlock won. And I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty badass for the deadlock there." I was I was not happy, but it was it was a great play. Mm-hmm. I feel like she does a really cool alt. You just don't get to see it very often because it's deadlock. Yeah. But we're yeah, seeing I don't think now. she's good, but yeah. I think like she's fine, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Might Re- see a little bit more play. Real talk. I mean, a big some... reason why she's, you know, getting played a bunch now. Well, starting to get played more and there's always some people playing her is because she's hot. The the hotness factor is is big in her pick <laughs> rate, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like Deadlock's one of those agents where um you only like they're only really gonna see play from a pro perspective when there's a flex slot, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, let's take Breeze, for example. Um, Cypher Viper, hard locked in. Uh, you're probably going to see a Sky. KO. No. Or a KO. You see KO, not Sky. Is it KO? Yes. Yeah. But the last time Breeze was in the pool, KO was a lot better. I feel like Sky is just more meta now. Yeah, but you still have a Cypher Viper on the other team that you need KO ult or KO Util to take care of. Okay, sure. Okay, so, like, yeah, let's just say that you got a KO, right? Um, You're going to have a Sova, and then you're probably going to have a Jet. And that's going to be your team comp. Yeah, so you you get rid of the Cypher for a deadlock, but, like... Yeah, yeah. you're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Um... Cypher's too strong on the map, and Deadlock doesn't offer anything outside of I feel like you're going to see Deadlock when there is already a meta Sentinel, but there is 
an open slot that is not necessarily needed, and you like what Deadlock can bring to the table. Yeah, what um, I was also thinking is I think another possibility is in a situation where you're going to run Viper and you have a bit of an opening at Sentinel where there's not one Sentinel who's super strong on the map for the reason that Viper's, you know, area denial and delay is... Watch. Sure, sure. But I mean, you know, there, were, there are teams that, you know, run comps on Icebox that don't have flank watch because they're running Sage Viper and then they don't run a second Sentinel. Like, I don't think, I think flank, flank watch is very important, but I don't think you have to have Can't it. play around it, yeah. Like, yeah. The, the thing that I'm thinking of is I feel like maybe Deadlock Viper could be your uh, Sentinels on Pearl, perhaps. Out of the pool right now, but I could I could see some potential there. I feel like KJ is still really good on Pearl. I don't think the turret change affects any of KJ's turrets on that map, if I remember correctly. And Cypher was always pretty solid on that map. Sure, sure. I yeah, mean, but I, I still think in like, general Deadlock all, is All he's saying that. is that it's open to possibly yeah. see more Deadlocks in, in those comps. I, I just, like, I'm not sure what Deadlock offers on that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing Deadlock offers in general is she might have the best post-plant setups of any Sentinel in the game right now. Which Yeah. Right, so if you want to run run a comp that your focus is getting down Spike as soon as possible, just blitzing into sight, and then playing post-plants, I think that's a scenario where you take the Deadlock. Yeah, but what maps favor that? I mean, B site. That's what I'm thinking Pearl. I I think Pearl, you can get to both sites pretty quickly. Okay, but I think the problem... Yeah. I think more A than B. yeah, I think the problem with Pearl is the the meta for B site is you kind of fall back towards long, and Deadlock's stuff is not getting any value then. Deadlock's well, stuff gets value when your team is holding sight, well, and the enemy team is forced to push in. Like well, I'm thinking Haven, um, thinking Haven A. Or Haven B, Deadlock's postplant is very good, right? Uh, now the problem with a Haven is, well, Killjoy's, well, Killjoy used to be really fucking good. I think Killjoy's uh, still I know the, very good on Haven. I, I know the turret changes to KJ actually affect her a decent amount. Cipher's pretty solid on that map too. Um, I think KJ was just a bit better, so you never really saw Cipher played, but. I I feel like those sites in general offer really good value for the deadlock postplant setup. When specifically when you have somebody who's willing to play attack op uh, and can kind of sort of freely watch flank with the op until you know that that's not a worry. Um, I just can't really see it on any of the maps that are currently in the pool. Well, I, w- I do want to push back in a big way on what you're saying in terms of Pearl B site. First of all, I was picturing more A site when I mentioned, you know, the strat of why you'd have Deadlock in the comp of the quick post plans. But mm-hmm. um, I think the big thing with Deadlock is she has a lot of potential to anchor herself in a space to be like, oh, you know, if you want to push me, it's going to be painful for you. And so I think that, you know, yeah, obviously if Deadlock is playing long, then her stuff isn't as valuable. 
But I think if you, she gives you a lot more potential to keep someone in halls, either just her with her stuff or her and someone else, you know, have a sonic sensor on either end, have a, your, um, your, uh, uh, grav net grenade ready to go to block down someone pushing in or throw elsewhere. And that's going to be so annoying to push into a deadlock who's camping back there as you're retaking. So like, I, I feel like you don't use her the way you would traditionally use a post plane agent. You can do a lot of different things with her. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I feel like the specifically the problem with B-Sight is anybody who's playing long is most likely going to be smoked off as the retake starts. Mm-hmm. And assuming there's a smoker alive on their team. Yeah, he's uh, saying you don't play, play it long. Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't think B-Sight is big enough and has enough areas to play in to host your entire team playing there. It does, you don't and have to like, host your entire team playing okay, there. But I'm you saying, have to I host one think, player. I don't think hosting one player is good enough. I think you need at least two or three to capitalize properly off deadlock shit. Like, I'm sure everybody's been fucking molding about this when someone just head taps you while they're stunned. The real detriment to being stunned is... The second person? Is the second person. Like, you're not getting two. Maybe you get the one, right? Maybe your crosshair's in the right spot, even though it's swaying a little bit. You get that good RNG. You you head tap them. It's the second person that you're fucked on. Like, it makes that trade free as fuck. Like, that's... I feel like that's the real strength of the stun. And if Deadlock is playing by herself in halls, I feel like you're not getting good enough value. You're not delaying the enemy team enough to justify running a deadlock over a different agent. Well, And then also, yeah. keeping in mind, somebody now has to watch flank. Yeah, so just just to be clear, I, I threw out that it could be just the deadlock, or it could be someone else. I just drew up like a play right now in my head that I think is somewhat exciting, is you have, uh, let's assume that you got the plant down with one casualty. So you, you have four people left. You have one person who has molly lineups from long who plays back by orb. That person is watching flank until they need to uh, throw their lineups. Um, you have one person who's playing by on in long by where you put the KJ lockdown, like in that little like half cubby. And then you have one person in halls facing the person at KJ lockdown spot to have a crossfire going. And then the final person is also in halls, but playing off the sensor, preventing someone from coming in the other side. Like, I think that is, that becomes a very annoying setup to deal with as you're retaking. I don't think it's more annoying than four people long who are all ready to spam bomb. I think it is, because especially at the ranked level... Yeah, especially at the ranked level, I think that people know if they clear the site quickly, they know that everyone's long or possibly a late mid lurk. And so you can, you know, coordinate your team to flash through the smokes and apply some pressure and then either really take the fight to the long players or just, you know, have someone sticking while everyone else is just causing chaos. And like, at the, yeah, I mean, and th- yeah, oh, this whole argument is ignoring the fact that there is a whole second site on Pearl, which is good for this post plant. Yeah, that, that's where so, I was thinking so of it more. Because as long, a is as, long as it's yeah. doable on the other site in a certain circumstance or, like, you know, passable, then, like, it opens up a doorway for her to be played on, which I think is more than we could say before the buffs. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, A has three main retake avenues. Okay. 
Deadlock only has two traps. Chamber yes, has so one. Right. What, what are you the, using? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're not using Chamber's trip for post-plant. Yeah, but you don't have post-plant with Chamber. So with Deadlock, you're subtracting you know, what you have with Chamber in terms of the offensive potential, and you're substituting that for mo- more post-plant stuff. It's a trade-off. Mm. Because, like, the, yeah, the big thing with A uh-huh. is that it's traditionally very easy to get the spike down, yeah, yeah. but difficult mm-hmm. to hold. So that's where I think the real you know, I'm, bingo I'm, I'm not. Is. I'm not sold. I think the only way in which you see a deadlock is when you're also running a KJ Cypher or Chamber. Yeah. Well, you know me. I, I love to try new agents, and part of me wants to say, oh, well, let's see. I'll play deadlock, but I, I, I don't really like the idea of playing deadlock. It's just not right, well, my kind uh, of game. Uh, yeah, well, okay. I got one last topic if you guys are on board. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I've seen this rhetoric going around about Chamber at the moment. And people are saying that he's even more of a worthless pick from like a util perspective now than Reyna. Uh, and somebody was talking about it in terms of like, you can ask any other agent in the game to do something for you. Uh, as you're trying to either take space or retake, whatever it is you're doing, right? Sure, you're saying even Reyna has a leer. Like, hey, Reyna leer is Even Reyna has a leer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And people are saying, the only thing you can ask Chamber for is his gun. Which any other agent in the game could do anyway. And he's going to say, what are you talking about? I can't drop my gun to you. No, no, but like... Yeah, but like, trade me, motherfucker. Or just twin this so that I can trade you or whatever. Right? Um, sure, but hasn't that always been Chamber as yeah. a character? I feel like that has always been Chamber as a character, and... And also, literally every agent bitched. can do that. <laughs> yeah, but level. also, people bitched about how broken Chamber was for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm wondering where this rhetoric comes in now, that all of a sudden, Chamber is fucking dog shit and not being... and not worth... I'll tell played. you exactly where it comes in, and it's Chamber mains. What do you mean? They want to see fucking Chamber buffs again. <laughs> so they're like if we stage an internal coup where we you know in implant these ideas that chamber is so weak that he needs a buff then you know we, we can get this going at a grassroots level people are going to start talking about it and then we're going to see a buff and then we that's when we really take over again it's these power hungry fools who who were eating good and now are uh like famine yeah, yeah. but like because yeah, like I like and like I personally think that Chamber's really fucking good on Lotus, and I will most likely only be playing Chamber on Lotus. However, every time I get into a fucking Lotus lobby, I'm kind of gonna go pick Chamber, um, and I feel like he still has his value in that regard. Does it require you to hit shots? Yes, same as any other agent. But you get a little more leeway. Yeah, I think he's fine. I I mean, I kind of agree with the sentiment that Reyna is better than Chamber. Uh, but Cass, I feel like you're framing this a little bit in a weird way. Because like, even when Chamber had two trips, he, you know, when Chamber was peak levels of busted, the majority yeah. of value came from his, you know, incredible... Uh, 
uh, alt, his TPs, his well, the TPs were number one by by far, and then was the alt, yeah. and then was the headhunter. But like, you know, if if you wanted to watch flank primarily, his tri- trips were still easier to get around than you know cipher trips or KJ stuff, and like. Basically, what I'm saying is that Chambers, the whole bulk of his strength came from his dual-taking ability with his TP. And so the fact that you're like, what? How, how are people saying that when you remove the one thing that made Chamber busted, now he's bad? <laughs> like, I feel like the answer is pretty obvious. No, but I feel like he's not, like, is he as strong as he once was? Absolutely not. No, no, There's yeah. no argument against that. Yeah, but he was good once like, as he ever was. Yeah, like, I... <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't see the logic of like, oh, I don't want a chamber in this team comp. He does the exact same shit that he did before. Maybe just not as as oppressive, but it still gives you the same strengths that he had before. And nobody had a problem with having a chamber on the team prior. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the devil's advocate thing here is the nobody had a problem with it because the other stuff was just so fucking busted. But and that's when you what remove I'm all that busted yeah. stuff, yeah, exactly what, what Hunter's saying. When you remove that busted stuff, you know, he's not very good. Now you have a problem with it because the flaws are, are showing a lot more clearly. But it's I don't agree that he needs a buff or anything. Like, I think that he is fine, and that is just a part of the character. He uses his util to get kills for himself and not other people. Teammates. Yeah, like I, I like I, again. I don't think Chamber needs a buff. I don't think Chamber needs a nerf at the moment. I feel like it's totally fine. But I feel like the the rhetoric of oh, we don't want a Chamber in our team comp is is wrong. I would rather have a Reina than a Chamber on my team, uh, just in general. So I, I kind of agree with it. But are you accounting for Smurfs here? Uh, well, oh, in the sense that more Smurfs are likely to play Reina. Yes. Uh, that's that's fair, but like if you if you if you just ask if someone was like, hey, I'm having a good aim day, and you know I want to play someone aggressive who doesn't bring a lot of value to the team, would you rather me play Reyna and you know lead us into sight with my leers, or play Chamber and uh, Op and like hold it hold down areas more passively? I would say Reyna every time. I mean, well, actually, sure, but if someone if somebody's yeah. having a uh, like kind of mediocre aim day. And they're going to play one of those two characters. Then I don't still really Reyna, because they can they run play. in first and die. Whereas Chamber, they're going to be hanging out in the back, failing to clutch. <laughs> yeah, but, but I get no, but they but they have a they have a big long dick that that they're using more down certain angles. It's not the size; it's how you use it. You know, you know this, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, but okay, like take me for example. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have me on Chamber or Reyna? Well, I'm obviously if someone is way better at one agent than another, that's a significant factor. Like if someone says, yeah, "I'm a chamber like main, should I play Reyna instead?" I'm not going to say yes. You need <laughs> yeah. to play and I feel like that's like that's the exact situation we're looking at here. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. When you when you're in a solo queue game, you have no idea what fucking skill set the other people in your lobby have. Well, okay, just to be clear, I was simplifying it. When people ask, should I play this agent or that agent, my actual answer almost always is play whoever you're feeling because I don't want people to feel pressured to play an agent that they're not good at. Yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming assuming someone comes in and they say, I am equally as good at Chamber and Reyna and equally as, you know, ambivalent about the two. That's the scenario I was describing. 
Not if you yeah. were to ask if you should play Raiden. I well, would never yeah, tell you to play Raiden. Cass is originally coming from this whole point is like, you know, a, a scenario where he got, gets into a lobby in his hovering chamber and people go, oh, no, anybody but chamber. We don't want a chamber in the comp. Like, we want, we want util. Like, that we oh, that yeah, can yeah, use yeah. for us. Just to be, in that scenario, I would never, you know, agree with those people or be the one to say it. But is Chamber in general worse than Reyna? I would say yes. That's that's where I'm coming down on it. Operator, though. <laughs> Smooth operator. <laughs> hey, I've seen some Reynas pop off with the op on defense. Yeah. I'm not saying it can't be done. Yeah. But Reyna doesn't get a free op every five rounds. Yeah, I mean, Chamber is the better opper easily. And so if someone says, hey, I'm a cracked opper, but maybe we need a Reyna in our team comp, I would say play Chamber, like, cha- play chamber or Jet mm-hmm. instead. God, I love picking up an office cipher and just fucking deleting people. Fun. All right, well, that's about all I got. Do you mind yeah. if I hit uh, two topics that I think are super quick? Sure. One uh, is mini rant on something I've said before. It was the like format for the regular season of Pro Valorant was announced, and people are crying in tears. How could Riot possibly do this? About the fact that there are more or less the same number of like games being played versus last year when the thought was, oh, maybe because of lock-in there were less games last year. And I just think it's the most entitled and stupid uh, you know, way to approach it because obviously esports as a whole is, in a, is having a severe lack of money at the moment. And I don't think it makes any sense to, you know, wish for, like basically it makes sense that things should be scaled back so that esports doesn't go out of business, particularly Valorant esports. You need to have meaningful games that people want to tune into rather than more games that are going to get less viewership because you're, you risk losing advertisers if you do that. I don't know. I, I kind of see where you're coming from, but I do think there is a problem in terms of the... And I, I think they've come out and said that they are planning on doing something about the length of the offseason, mm-hmm. um, that it was too long. But like, And again, this is early in Valorant's pro scenes iterations, right? Like, it hasn't been around long enough for them to kind of, like, you got, you got to fuck some things up before you realize how you can fix them. Mm-hmm. Because you're not sure that those are issues in the first place when you first start out. And I totally get that. However, I do think that they should run a full fucking split. That split determines who goes to Madrid. They run a second split that determines who goes to, I don't know, where is it, Korea? I don't know where the second one is, mm-hmm. right? And then you run and then you have LCQ. a combination that goes, like LCQ and then a combination that goes to champions. Yeah, and I feel like that's the way you should do it. This, I, I think the kickoff tournament is kind of stupid. I agree. I think it's stupid, right? but I think it's also really entertaining. And the first well, it, Valorant it, it of makes... the year is always going to be a little sloppy and random. It's entertaining. It's just, it makes the difference between like the second masters and champions like inconsequential it's weird it's weird to go from like the masters event pretty much directly into champions obviously there's a lcq in between no there's no lcq oh there's no lcq there's no lcq you get they're going directly from masters into champions from masters into champions this year yeah oh so yeah proves my point even more that's weird like there's no difference between those tournaments really other than one having a bigger title. Oh, yeah. And just to be clear, I'm not saying the Riot format is perfect, and I'm agreeing with you all that, you know, that is weird and they could have structured it better. 
But in terms of like sheer number of matches being like, Riot promised more matches. I need more matches. Like one of the biggest reasons that football is dominating the American television scene right now is because every game is tremendously impactful. So when you see a big moment happen, you're like, wow, that ha- makes a significant, you know, impact okay. on this team's fortunes. Right. Whereas in baseball, which, you know, is the more uh, history sport, you know, there's so much going on that you can be like, oh, whatever. Okay, a good moment happened. That's a teeny percentage of the team's success for the okay. year. But, yeah, but they're I, also incredibly successful. So it, they're just it, very successful in different ways, right? Yeah, but I, sure. okay, I feel like the main issue here is if you're not getting two international events, which is already, I feel like, too difficult, almost. Yeah. Like, only two teams from each fucking region get to go to an international event. Um, at least for the first one, that is. Right? Two teams are going through. Uh, that's... If you don't make it to those, you play... I think 11 games is the minimum number of games you can People were saying 12 on Reddit. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. it's 12. That's less than a fucking football season in which football people have to deal with fucking injuries, fucking concussion CTE issues. Like, there's a physical detriment yeah. in football to being able to play more games. Yeah, and no, I Cass, guess- show me the, the breakdown between, you know, how many games uh, in Valorant versus football versus how much money is in football versus Valorant. Yeah, yeah okay. But again, like, <laughs> that's, that's my point. Like, yeah, yeah, but like, I feel like that's an aside because Valorant contracts even for the best players in the world, are nowhere near fucking Tom Brady's contract back in his heyday on the Patriots. I feel like you're making my point for me here. <laughs> I don't know where you're you going. What I'm with saying, this. like, the orgs are having to spend less money to run this shit. Riot is having to spend less money to run this shit. I mean, right? we can see that right. even the money that they can spend is, is too much for a lot of them. Okay, yes. Like, like, like okay, all of that aside, it still comes down to the fact that if you're a fan of football, it is unlikely mm-hmm. that you only ever watch your team play. And that kind of seems like that's what Riot is trying to set up with Valorant. They want you to have a vested interest in how all the teams are doing and in their Challengers League and their Game Changers League, which they're also giving very little support to for those, as an aside. And say I'm just a massive uh, 100 Thieves fan, right? Or whatever org you want to pick. It doesn't matter. If Mm -hmm. I want to see them play, because that's my team, that's the team that I want to see win and do well, and they don't make it to international events, I get to see 12 games a year of them play. Well, that's if they lose out of the tournament in the first round, right? Right, and like that's... I feel like that's too few. Like, I, I, I don't feel like that's a... That's like a crazy statement or anything like that. Like, it's. I agree that CS, from the other perspective, has arguably too many games and too many side tournaments and things that you don't really care too much about. And, like, it's hard to follow all of that. And that's totally fine. But I think there's a happy medium that Riot dramatically fucking missed by a long shot here. Yeah, I think there's there's one thing about that sort of scenario that you laid out that I, I think is worth highlighting or disagreeing with one or the other, which is that in football, you have very established fan bases because, you know, the fan, the teams are very tied to geography. And as such, while I watch a ton of football games, 
there are a lot of casual fans who only watch their team in football and they're happy with that because they really have a lot of investment in their team. Whereas in Valorant, I think even though there are definitely hardcore fans of teams, I think even the most, I think the most, you know, rabid Sentinels fans will also watch a lot of games that aren't Sentinels games. I think there's more watching the rest of the league happening in Valorant than there is in football on average. And I think therefore you're not, it's not like you would ever just tune into the 12 games your team plays and no others or not ever, but I think a very small percentage of Valorant watchers are only going to tune in for their team's games. Okay. But like, and I think that you might be right about that, Mm -hmm. but like, I mean, I like, I like Sentinels, right? I want to see them play. Yeah. 100 Thieves versus Leviathan game, I'm probably going to watch that. Mm-hmm. But unless it affects Sentinel's ability to make it to a um, to an international event, I don't really give a shit what the outcome is. Like, I'm just watching it because it is there. Yeah. And I feel like that's part of the problem. Is I don't have a vested interest necessarily in watching the other games. Mm-hmm. Outside of the team that I want to see do well and win. Oh, I get that. And that makes sense. especially on a team that is like, like a NA is, or just North America as, or not North America, America's as a region is very tumultuous in terms of who's going to through to events and stuff like that. Right. Like, I think at the current moment, most people would say, if you're a fanatic fan, you're probably doing fine. Fanatic's probably going to make most of the international events, and they're going to have a lot of games that you get to watch them play. But, especially in Americas, where things are... People don't really know who's going to make it through, which teams are going to be super strong. It is very realistic that the team that you care about just doesn't get a lot of games. Yeah, And I feel like the, the LCQ offered a nice balance, at least, between all the good teams that you've already had the opportunity to see play a lot of games, now get a break, and all the teams that didn't get to play a ton of games, and you didn't get to see them, uh, because they didn't make it to the international events, now have their own tournament. Yeah, that's nice, and I think... I agree. Like, the fact that they are getting rid of LCQ, that it, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, other than just simplifying simplifying the season, well, which is yeah, actually really what the option was. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, like yeah, that's the, the that's the best part about the those LCQ tournaments is that the people you expect to win every game they're not even there, so you have a lot easier like way of seeing like you know Cinderella runs or a team that you didn't expect to make it making it out like has happened. As, like yeah. last year, yeah, like right? crew going on a run was like <laughs> yeah. one of the most entertaining storylines of all of Valorant last yeah. year. Yeah, because you know they can be a team that you know just always loses to the top two teams, and they can get knocked out immediately first two rounds of a of a tournament. Um, but if those teams aren't there, then you can actually see them play against other other teams where they do have a shot against it, and it's a lot more fun to watch. I think that those tournaments and with teams you haven't seen all that much of that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it also offers, I mean, like, okay, Riot's reasoning for removing LCQ is that they want to uh, promote, or, like, they want to uh, advantage you being good throughout the year as a whole. And so you now get champions points for how you do throughout the year, and then the teams 
with the most champions points go to champions. So basically, they still do the thing where they weight the later in the year tournaments higher for more points. Do not because I also think that that's dumb. Although I I see the like reason why like Masters Two is worth more than Masters One, but it doesn't like I think that it shouldn't because it would be cool to see like a team that did really really well in Masters One and or like in the first split. Um, that fell off in the second split, like come back for champions and be like, oh, but remember we did really well at the beginning of the season. Like we're here now. Yeah, yeah, but I think part of the problem is like as the meta evolves, if you kind of fall off, it's like, well, we could have had a better lineup at champions because they waited. Maybe, so but it makes it more, more different than the previous than like the yeah, tournament I that agree. happened immediately before it. Yeah, because I, I in this case, is there is it true oh. that there's literally zero games between Masters Two and Champions? In this format? That's what it seems um, like, yeah. Let's see. No, there's technically a second split that happens. Because it goes oh, okay. kickoff tournament, Madrid, split one, wherever the fuck that tournament is, I want to say Korea, then split two, and then champions. Oh, really? Yeah. Wait, so the kickoff tournament, which is international, right? No, no. the kickoff tournament is national. Oh. The top teams from each region go to... Madrid. Masters 1, yeah. I see, okay, got it. Right? And then there's Split 1, and then Masters 2, and then Split 2, and then Champions. Oh, okay, that that makes a lot more sense then, because if teams are earning significant points in Split 2, then you will, unless the same teams are still the best, you could very likely see different teams in Champions and in Masters 2. But these splits are not full round, round robin then? No. You're split into Group A and Group B, I believe. Mm hmm. I don't know. Like, also, part of what fucks it up is that there's 11 teams in each league this year, which, like, that'll be changed next year. Yeah. And then there's always going to be a running 12 teams, but I feel like... I don't know. I feel like relegation would solve that issue, but then... Yeah, it, I'm... It I'm away from franchising. Hearing for relegation again here, so... Yeah, like, and yeah, then, also, speaking of relegation, um, a team that might be in the running for being relegated, if so, is Evil Geniuses, uh, and they. Another controversial thing is that they have a free pass to Masters One as a result of the format. Um, oh no, not the really. Year. They have to win two games instead of three. Oh, that's like, what it is. Okay, I misunderstood. Yeah. Okay, so th- they have a they have basically a buy then. Yeah, uh, they they the get w- they get one buy because somebody needs to have a buy in an eleven team. Right, which is also right. awkward because it will often happen that your roster will undergo significant change in between seasons. And sure, uh, but like you have to give it yeah. to someone, and and whoever won oh, the yeah. previous season makes. Yeah, I'm not saying they should have given it to someone else. I'm just saying that yeah, it's awkward. Yeah. Like like you guys are yeah. saying. Yeah. Well, but next year there's going to be 12 teams. Right. right. Because another team's going to make it into ascension, and then you don't need to have a buy. But given that, well, will they needed, make it through ascension, or will that be more drama? Okay, and be like, denied? Given that <laughs> you needed to have a buy, it makes the most sense to give it to whoever placed the best in each region last year. I think that's totally fine. Um, it gives Fnatic, PRX, EG, and EDG a buy, and like that's just yeah, that's just what it is. And people are complaining about it because it's EG and fuck EG as an org, but like. But it makes the most sense. Yeah, but it makes the most sense, and yeah. that's just what like that's just what it is. But I think it would make way more sense to have split one, masters, split two, masters two, LCQ, or even just to split three, and then champions. 
See, now I, well, f- I just feel stupid now because I didn't actually look at the like format before looking at this. But the fact that there actually is a split in between Masters 2 and Champions like completely changes my argument, and I kind of like it. But yeah, um, I still I still kind of miss LCQ. But the fact that there's a split there replacing it, like you're still going to see those teams play. Like that's that's yeah fine. yeah. Cass, I feel like I don't love Masters two LCQ and then Champs because then basically you're just much more likely than in the current format to have all of or most of the same teams in Masters two just in Champions. Yeah, and that sure. was kind of so weird last run, year where it run, was okay yeah. run a split three. Well, sure, but like that's that, that brings me back to where I started with this. That I don't agree with how they've made the format. I just think it's dumb that people are saying we need more games because very likely there isn't the money to support more games. And so that's uh, where, yeah, that's okay. Well, me back a lot to of this has to do too with the fact that, like, uh, I know that Riot is trying to use some of their arenas and stuff for, um, like league games and stuff as well. Which, like, I don't know, I get it, but, like, I'm not, and, like, I have no idea what the overlap is between people that watch League and people who are going to watch Valorant. And, like, maybe Riot kind of wants to capitalize on, like, their IP as Riot. And they're like, hey, we want you to watch both League and Valorant, and therefore we don't want to have overlap and shit like that. But, like, I don't know, I still feel like 12 games at a minimum is 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 just too too small um compared to i don't know like fanatic was talking about this last year i think it was booster was saying this in an interview that like because they did well and they made it to the end of every tournament basically that like they didn't have a lot of off time to come up with new comps and trial shit out and whatnot and like booster was kind of talking about their burnout throughout the year yeah, so you, like you need to like kind of bring the top number, the top number of games down, while bringing the bottom number of games up. Yeah, um, and I think a way that you do that is run a longer split and get rid of Masters One. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what other sports have like a weird mid-year tennis? Golf. tournament like that <laughs> okay individual in, sports those are individual sports yeah i would say like from my very limited soccer knowledge like sometimes there's kind of one in soccer i don't really know how soccer works i can't speak to that in the slightest yeah. but like it's kind of outside of the normal league system so it doesn't it's not the same like sometimes it'll just be a tournament yeah and i feel like if there were just tournaments that also be fine. Like if there's like a gap in the middle of the year, right? Between mm-hmm. like after Masters one, or well, no, I guess in this case it'd be like after Masters two, based on the way they've organized the splits or whatever. Basically, sometime between after split one, and then whatever tournament follows that between before you go into split two, if you had a couple other like invite tournaments and stuff like that, I feel like that'd be totally fine, right? Yeah, you because, could have a Ludwig Xteric Super Invitational. Yeah, yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd be a banger. And yeah, like, be yeah cool. like Red Bull, Red Bull Home Grounds and things like that. Like that took place during the middle of the year, instead of just in off-season silly mode. I feel like that would be fine as well. But in general, I feel like it's just like 
Also, like, following... Okay, you get... Potentially two games. And then you go right into split one. Right? Assuming you lose out in the kickoff tournament. But then you're going right into split one there. Like, is there any time for teams to, like, change up their rosters in there? Well, you only gave your team two games. Maybe you got a bad draw. Like, how do you really know if you need to make any changes or not? I feel like the answer should be no kickoff tournament and just split one leading into Masters 1. And then following Masters 1, well, now you've already run a split, and if you're... If your team didn't perform up to snuff or the way you wanted them to, you can change shit around going into split two and then still have enough time to gain points and reps and practice to have a viable shot at going into champions. Uh, But with the current format, you're... Like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see teams make changes going into split one. And that's only after their team's played two games. Like, I'd, I'd, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Riot definitely dropped the ball on this heavily. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree. Um, my comment was solely based on the number of games take. I agree that it seems like the format is pretty weird. Yeah, it seems like a weird format. We'll see how it works, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, I too would probably rather see two full-length splits where it's like a full round robin of all the teams. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there isn't even going to be a full round robin of all the teams. No. Because you're split into Group A and Group B. I assume Group A and Group B change for split Game two? splits? Yeah. I don't know. Like, they probably go it off, they probably are going to reseed. Do it off points, like reseed it, yeah. Yeah, like but like... That doesn't necessarily mean it changes, yeah. Like, I mean, actually, that does... Drafted, like... It would mean that there would be a change. It, yeah, it, may, it does mean that there's a significant like, change, yeah. But yeah, again, like... I, I, I guess, just in my mind, I don't get the point of the kickoff tournament. So it it seems weird to me that the kickoff tournament is what qualifies you for uh, Masters. An international one. event? Yeah. yeah, just because yeah. It's, it's so little... You know, it, there's just a lot of variance early in the season, so to have, you know, you, you to potentially just have two bad games and then not make Masters 1 because of that. I, I assume that yeah, the like they, they should just go wins. into the season. Like yeah. I don't know why there's a uh, like I, a tournament yeah. and then an international tournament before you even get to the season. Right, part. just play the fucking yeah. season. Yeah, or or I would also be okay if you have the um the regional uh tournament and then you go into your regional season and you just get some initial points off of that first tournament. But like having you yeah. immediately go to an international based off of that is the weird thing to me. Yeah, or like yeah, if like you want to have the initial tournament just to do seeding for groups or something, like that's fine too. Yeah. You know? Honestly, like, I kinda liked lock in like, last year because it was chaotic, but it was just a one and done thing. This whole two Well, part- I think that that's why they're having this tournament, uh like the kickoff tournament, is they were like based on the massive success of lock in, like I I'm pretty sure I've seen a comment like that. Um well, and I, so they wanted to have, yeah. like, an initial tournament to kick the year off. But, like, no, why? Like Just go into the league. Just go into the like, season. That's how every fucking league works. ever works. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think this does go come down the to the whole idea of growing it as a sport, that people are going to be more invested if there's something very exciting initially. 
And I don't know if that's correct, but I, I think that's... Yeah, and the, the numbers the might show that tournament viewership is way higher than regular season game viewership. Yeah, right? so people are going to be more excited to then tune into the regular season if they get invested in teams based off of the, you know... The tournament. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, like... Yeah, because, like, I, I know that a lot of the, like, Valorant games happen on the weekends, uh, at least for North America. Um, or Americas, I mean. And, like, I'd be doing shit over the weekends. And so it's like, I don't always get to catch those games live, and Riot has no way of you going back and watching any of the games that happened, and then they get some revenue benefit out of that. Uh, they actually do. How? It's just kind of hidden. I'm, oh, what do you mean? And there's some sort of revenue benefit out of it. That's yeah. the part that I was missing, yes. Right. But no, I'm like, I, was, I thought you were saying there was like, you're talking about like DLR? Available. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like, well, I like if I wanted, the, the, like the Valorant esports site has all previous games on it. Yeah, but I'm saying like I, I, I was that. like, it's cool. The way that it's set up right now is if I want to watch, um, if I want to watch a game that I missed, right? You most likely just open up VLR, you wait for the YouTube vods to be posted, and then Riot isn't getting the revenue off those YouTube vods. Now, no, I'm saying they need to advertise their own because they have yeah. apparently they have their own website that has all the vods. Yeah, yeah. I, you I've don't have that, to yeah. wait for the like, YouTube one to to be posted. Right. Like, they have their own website where they post their vods after the games are done. Um, it was it's just not advertised. It's like kind of hidden. You need to know about it. There should be a YouTube channel which is like Valorant Champions Tour. In which it has all of the VODs, yeah. Every single map, as soon as that map ends, basically, gets uploaded. In its entirety. And then you go there to watch the games if you didn't get to catch them live. And they get YouTube ad revenue, or whatever it may be. Or they don't cut out, like, sponsorship segments and things like that. And, like, if it's very easily accessible and right there, like a bunch of people are going to end up doing that if they miss their game. Or they miss, they miss the game they wanted to watch. Um, I think EMEA had a better schedule in terms of, like, those games were throughout the week. And so, I mean, given the nature of my job, I was able to have the game up on the TV in the back shop while the game was going on. Um... And, like, I get it, that's not possible for everybody, and given the time change, it was often kind of during the middle of the day. But, like, if I could come home from work, and, like, there was just the, like, 100 Thieves Sentinels game going on at, like, Wednesday night at, like, 7 p.m. or whatever, right? It's like, you could tune yeah, into that. Yeah, you'd more readily watch it, yeah. I'd more readily watch it than you playing that game at noon on a fucking Saturday. Yeah, because you're doing something. You know something what I'm doing on a Saturday? Saturday? I'm fucking doing something. So, I don't know. Like... And again, I feel like I get it that there's no, the money just isn't there yet. The interest isn't there yet to run it the same way you would run a traditional sports league. But it's also like part of the reason why I don't give a flying fuck about football. It's like all the shit is just on isolated days. Like back when I used to watch hockey, it was so nice that like every other day I come home and there's a hockey game on for my team. Like my team is playing almost every other day. I come home from work, school, or whatever. I turn the game on, I get to watch the game. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I would love to see Valorant become. Uh, and I get it, you can't play 82 games a fucking year of Valorant. I mean, maybe you could, but that seems a little ridiculous. Uh, it's like... I don't know. Yeah, it's... I, I, like, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just unhappy with the current system. Yeah, that's that's the way you brought that up. That I think is very interesting because it sort of highlights the generational gap. Because like you know, if you look at our parents' generation, it's much more common for people to want to you know work a uh, a desk job nine to five where they're off on the weekends. And then, you know, especially in America, which is more religious than Canada, you know, people go to church, you come home from church and you watch the one at one o'clock NFL games with your friends. And like, that's just part of your routine growing up. It certainly was for me. And like, at no point was I like, oh, I could be doing something else on Sunday because like, that's just part of having it every day actually was super nice in terms of it being a ritual, a tradition. Whereas, like, if NFL games were just randomly on weeknights, I'd be more often doing other things and not being able to watch it. So sort of the opposite of what you're saying. But I think in our generation, there are more people who are have very chaotic schedules and don't necessarily have off on the weekends or just or don't have it in their schedule that they're, you know, watching sports, you know, for a certain time on weekends. And Valorant is obviously a younger audience than football. Yeah. Was there a second uh, quote-unquote short topic uh, that you wanted to get into, Hunter? Uh, yes, however, it's not time-sensitive, so I'm going to can it for next podcast because this okay, topic was much good. longer than I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there were some more, as always, very heated opinions. I feel like yeah, uh, yeah. whenever Cast says, like, oh, this is going to be a doozy, it's like we get our voices heard in the first 10 seconds, and we're like, okay, ne- next topic, Cast. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Jace, you want to lead us out of here? Yeah, uh, we'll drink with you later.